This episode is brought to you by Cheeky Monkey Brewing Co. Now, I believe that they've won some awards lately. Yes, uh, mate, Cheeky Monkey Brewing Company. We knew they were good stuff. They knew we were good stuff, so that's why we got in a bed with them. And, uh, mate, they're taking out uh, Champion Small Brewery in Australia at the AIBA Awards. That's the big one. It's a big one, mate, yeah. uh, To come out as the number one small craft brewery in Australia, that's a massive effort. Um, Mate, some of their uh, some of their wins uh, included the best traditional IPA, which is a West Coast IPA that we have smashed a million cans of. Now that's the non-hazy one, isn't it? That's the non-hazy. Uh, the lefties won a specialty beer award. That's your favourite. You I believe beat. that won the um, won the trophy. Uh, it won the <clears throat> best modern IPA trophy in the uh, world. In the world of Australian craft in the beers. universe, uh, mates and. Uh, Gold in the best specialty beer, which was the Imperial Monk. Oh, I love that. That's, that. that's your favourite, isn't it? Oh, it's a good one. It's about 8% thick, dark, chocolatey stout. It's a ripper. Yum, yum. So, yeah, and they won a couple of other awards. So, mate, Cheeky Monkey Brewery kicking goals up there, and we'll uh, continue to keep uh, giving them a plug and drinking their beer. Good times. Yeah, we, we'll uh, we'll p- persevere. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers <laughs> with us to uh, drink the, the Cheeky Monkeys on a daily basis. Um Although, you know, you got to drink alcohol in moderation, so always do that, kids. Yep, that's, uh, yeah, go Cheeky Monkey. You, you. All right, welcome back to Barrel Surf Podcast. It is bloody unreal to be here with everyone especially these four that these four these three guys that are with me today it's namu here for brow surf podcast and as usual to my to my left we've got t-bone g'day boys in the bone quarters today the bone quarters out of the shed quarters yeah we're, we've moved location we're in the splendid surrounds of t-bone's uh house his uh, living area and uh just across from t-bone as usual it's ads kennedy Good morning, all. Oh, it's just gone 12 o'clock, so uh, cheeky monkey time, you beauty. All right, I might have to crack one. It's uh, 12 o'clock on a Friday, and um, 12 o'clock on Fridays is, uh, well, no, it's not 12. It's What am I talking about? It's not Friday, it's Saturday. Yes, for Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday, boys. What about? I don't know. I don't know. He just, wants it. Yeah, it's, a, it's been a long week for just him. Just had an awards night in the city last night, and obviously <laughs> not sure what, what the date, time or day is. Anyway... <laughs> And uh, by special request, popular demands, we have got Mickey Plowman back. Yoo-hoo! Yeah, Mickey. Hello, mate. Hey, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Uh, absolutely stoked to be back here with you guys. It's absolutely awesome. Mate, we had some back. really good um, comments and messages and just people in the surf and whatever else saying, that was, that was one of your better episodes, boys. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been some really good feedback, a little bit of wasl analysis and so forth. So it's uh, good to have you back, Mickey. And um yeah. He made us sound professional, which is, it's no mean feat to do that. Well, he sounded professional. I don't know if he made us sound <laughs> no. professional. Um, yeah, so fresh off the ferry, the, uh, the Rutness Ferry, official ferry of the Wazzle. Rutness <laughs> Express. Yeah. Rutness Absolutely. Express. Yeah, no, so I got back a couple of days ago and yeah, it was awesome, guys. Rutness mm. is incredible. It's such a good place to be. Um, everyone was so stoked with it. The vibe there with all the competitors and the staff and all that was unreal. So, um really good thing to be part of and um, awesome as you guys saw the uh the, they got some unbelievable waves and some incredible performances too so it's absolutely epic really good yeah nice um 
just speaking of the athletes quickly, that one, I know you've got a, you've got your, you've gone full Carrie Matheson on us with the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the notes all over the walls. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of talk by Tyler Wright and a few others saying how bloody tired they were after all that time. Did you sort of get that sense when you were over there? Yeah, I guess for those guys, it'd been a long, long run, you know, because obviously the Australian League was four events. So uh, by the time they got to the end, it'd been a long, uh, long process or a long time period for them. And obviously, obviously here in Western Australia, they'd come straight from Margaret's as well. So uh, it did, um, it was a really tough one, a full credit to Mike McAuliffe, who was the contest uh, director over there. He had to basically pull the, basically let us know when we were going to run and that kind of stuff. And it yep. was a really tough forecast to... Um, to, to know when to go it was really hard Jeez, to pick the eyes out of it though didn't you totally. guys yeah amazing so it was a couple of days it ended up being better than they were forecast though eh? totally like one day we didn't think they were actually going to run it was the day we ran 24 heats they did the full-on crossover heats and yep. yeah got through an incredible amount so um overlaps yeah, overlapping heat which yep. is epic to watch so um, good so good and um yeah so it was definitely a tough one to forecast when we're going to run and when we're not going to run and some days were better than Actually, the forecast, which is like that one you're talking about, Adzi, which was great. Yeah. They had one day at Marks like that too, didn't they, where they weren't sort of thinking it was going to be on and then wake up in the morning and got the message from Mickey Plowman saying it's on. So, always good to have the heads up. So, thanks for that, mate. No worries. Yeah, Hopefully, we'll we can keep that up. I guess with the um, the next event, they won't be forecasting it, will they? They'll just turn, <laughs> turn the machine on. <laughs> if the wind's the wrong way, you just set the fans up, don't you? <laughs> Make sure the chlorine levels are at the at the right levels. And yeah, you don't want to hear that brain well, amoeba like they had at the uh, Waco pool that one time. Hey, just on Tyler Wright's comments, I think it's more taxing for the actual event staff, you know, as opposed to surfers. I mean, I get it, you get tired, but, you know, you, you're travelling around Australia surfing and making money. Yeah. I think I think the event staff, you know, setting up, running the events, being on the beach for, what do you say, 32 heats, whatever it is, they do full days, not yeah. n- not, yeah. not the athletes. That's a, that's a really good point you bring up, T-Bone. So a couple of guys and a huge shout-out to the Surfing West Australian, uh, all the work crew there, Justin Majex and his team. Uh, like, I know Justin, when the Margaret River Pro starts, so, they, you know, they're obviously there a week, 10 days or two a week before the, the Margaret River Pro. The Pro started on a Sunday. Then on the Monday, him and his team went straight up to Rotto. So they actually missed Margaret's to go to Rotto and set that up. And I think today is day 27 for Justin and his team up there in, um, in, wow. in Rotnet. So they've been putting in a huge effort. Yeah, well Jeez. done, Surfing WA boys. Hey, just on Tyler Wright, I noticed at Margie's that, I don't know, she doesn't seem like a very happy individual to me these days. Not that I know very well but when i was there for a few years in a row um you know five six seven years ago at the margie's pro mate she was like really really happy saying hello to everyone dancing around doing these crazy dancing warm-up things just looked super happy and mate down at margie's this year just looked like a tormented soul i don't know mm. and i know she's got all these she takes on a bit doesn't she so all maybe political things the weight of the world on her shoulders maybe yeah i don't know man just seemed like wow something's changed there you know seems to be agitated with the yeah. world well, she also had that you know whether it was chronic fatigue or whatever it was part of the uh the right family curse i guess when they they all seem to have those little ailments or not little big ailments yeah so who knows who knows i mean she's still in the top she's top five at the moment so it it can't be her uh her confidence levels in in competitive surfing it must be maybe something else adzi that semi-final i'm sure that mick can um attest she just did not look like anything was working she fell off just about every wave and yeah 
Yeah, unfortunately for her, she probably had one of those heats no one ever wants to have. Um, yeah, yeah, it's I like the heats I have when I go and con. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, you I think stoked uh, to have that heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bottom turn, yes. Yeah, and at the other end, who she was competing against, I think it was a quarterfinal against Sally, and Sally absolutely was ripping. So she had a in a combination situation. Mm. So yeah, unfortunately, we've all been there when you have a bad heat. So uh, yeah, so it was an, unfortunately a bit of a tough one for her. But yeah. So yeah, we're not, we're not Taylor Wright bashing, by the way. We, no. um, we think she's a legend. We'd just like to see her. Yeah. So, Having Mick, you've, you've been back in the chair for five minutes, so I want to start bashing you on a, on a couple of yeah. Here we oh, go. Can we rip another girl since <laughs> we're on that? Well, let's go for it. Well, program, what do you, where, do you, where do you want to start, Carrie? Oh, I'm on Open Book. It's your podcast. <laughs> right, you go I've, I've just got a question, just yeah, you know, just going back from having a judge's lens on, and it's the Julian Wilson and Morgan Sibilix, uh I think it was a quarter? It was. It was the first quarter final. Yeah, yep. I did tag you in uh, on this post, and uh, Julian comes in from a post-heat interview and he says he's really frustrated. He got a set wave and do, did two critical manoeuvres and got like a seven or something, and Morgan did three. I'd say standard, you know, vertical turns, nothing too flashy, you got an eight. I was curious to know what your breakdown on that scoring is because I thought Julian, from a spectator's point of view, just looked a bit more critical and on edge and two big manoeuvres as yeah. opposed to Morgs. Absolutely, and this is an awesome, um, basically, really cool and awesome thing to basically uh, try and analyse and yeah, work out which one was best and all that. And actually judges love this. This is what we want to kind of break down and go through. So this is really cool to talk about. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about on this, because obviously you tagged me in, so I had a look in it and watched, rewatched this heat again. It was incredibly close. So uh, what you're talking about is Julian scored a 7-8-3 for um, two beautiful uh, lip lines manoeuvres where he's basically free fall out of them, really beautifully surfed. And then Morgan's got an 8-1 for some pretty incredible... Uh, rail to rail basically Were similar sizes the waves? Uh, no and that's one thing I wanted to talk okay. about one thing one thing I really picked up on this heat so when we, we caught up last week we spoke about certain surfers always wanting to get the first wave of the heat and Julian actually got that in this and it probably actually went against his favour because um, one thing we saw at Margaret uh, sorry at Right now, Strickland Bay, that left is such a fast left. It's epic to watch. Big and time. the guys are so good, they made it look like it's slower than it is. But when you surf it yourself, as you guys would know, um, it's, it's a super fast wave. And one thing I, I really notice, obviously watching it for the week and getting out there myself, is the bigger the wave is, the slower the speed of the wave. So it's actually, it's a little bit more tapered. Um, Julian, as I mentioned, got the first wave of this, this heat. He went for an air reverse, didn't make it. And then that gave Morgan basically the priority for the rest of the heat. And what was happening is the first wave of the set was slightly smaller. Julian was going them. Morgan with priority would wait for the bigger sets. And that's what's happened in this exchange. So you'll notice with that uh, wave Julian's got, he's done two beautiful, basically horizontal lip line manoeuvres, which are incredible. Uh, he's got a 7-8-3 for it. And then Morgan's got a wave which is slightly bigger and obviously done top to bottom surfing and received an 8.1 uh, for three incredible turns. One really key key point I wanted to talk about this, and uh, in 2004, you guys would have known uh, Michael Lowe won Snapper. He was the first scoopy footer yep. to ever do it. Yeah, I was I was really fortunate to work at that event, and that event really for me was a highlight of the difference to being at an event watching it live versus watching it broadcast. Um, because sometimes it, it's slightly a little bit different, and that's mm. kind of this exposure. So when Morgan got that that wave, his first turn was incredible. When you watch it on the broadcast, uh, it doesn't look as good as what Maybe it was Maybe it's the life. angle of the camera, do you think? Angle of the camera, you don't see as much spray. Um, one thing, that if you rewatch that that turn, uh, most of the guys, because it was such a fast wave, would actually be doing the re-entry and then have to basically push straight through into the next turn so they wouldn't get caught behind the wave. If you watch that closely, he's come and just hit it in the pocket so beautifully, sent a huge amount of spray. 
done everything you guys want, but he's also pushed it to the point where his board's facing the other way. So he's actually over, well, basically really pushed into it and given it all he's got. Um, it's a pretty incredible turn. So that looked a lot better live than when you watch it on the broadcast. So I don't know if it's a camera angle thing or just being there. That, that was huge, but it's, it's really cool. One, one thing when you're talking about um, exchanges like this is generally critical surfing and in the pocket surfing will generally win so vertical surfing against horizontal surfing one thing that probably gets overlooked by a lot of people is the importance of the bottom turn so when you're surfing horizontally you can't go to the bottom of the wave so you're not surfing top to bottom and sometimes you're actually surfing in front of the wave but in this exchange i can understand like i you obviously tag me in with that exchange with these two i can totally understand people going that that way going julian over Morgan, at the end of the day, I think it's 0.27 It was close. So it was close. close. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, for me, and I rewatched that whole heat, and uh, at the end of the day, Julie needed a 7.93, uh, sorry, 7.97 to get through the heat, and what probably came down to was his backup wave. Uh, his backup wave was a 6.33, uh, Morgan's was a 7.6, so that probably came down to that, and the fact that Morgan had priority for that heat and could wait for those bigger and better waves. Yeah, so, sorry, I know that's a long description. No, it's good, um, mate. No, no. Good little good exchange for um, that. Talking of Morgan waiting for waves, surely he went too far in the final against Medina. Like, uh, I know what you're saying. He was waiting for the sets. That was obviously his game plan. Um, mates, he probably had such a mental battle before he even put his foot in the water, Morgan, you know, being the rookie, first final, up against the cyborg Medina. He obviously was like, okay, I'm going to come up with a game plan and I'm going to stick to it because I can't just go out there and slug it out with him. Um, I guess that's what he thought anyway and made it work because he got the, the biggest and best wave of the heat, got that good score. But, man, he waited for like, what was it, 35 Pretty minutes Pretty much the whole heat, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole heat. Didn't even end up catching one. And, made a couple of the waves that Medina got off priority, you know, obviously Medina turned him into something pretty special, but... I was sort of thinking, geez, mate, like it, it was steely nerves, but I think it went too far. Like he surely could have gone and tagged the hell out of one of those medium-sized yeah, ones. Yeah, hindsight, mate, though. So, I, I mean, I know no matter what you do, you know, then Medina has priority and he'll get the set and this and like it's obviously a, a, just a mammoth task to overdo him, but I would have liked to have seen him maybe with 10 minutes to go, just go, okay, bugger it, I've, I've waited this long, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring because... You can't just let Medina catch fifteen waves under your priority. He's he's gonna he's just gonna get better and better scores. Yeah, he doesn't Spe- need priority, does he? Speaking of waiting, TB's first heat. <laughs> oh, yeah, now that's fucking waiting. That's <laughs> yeah, it. That was waiting. Oh, TB had a shocker, didn't he? Yeah, waves didn't come to him, and yeah, that was uh, yeah, very uh, yeah, long waits, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was pl- there was plenty of waves in the final for. Um, for Morgan to, to try to roll the dice on it, obviously Medina can manufacture him into bigger scores. But, mate, I mean, he's beaten John John a few times. He's been beating everyone. He should have just maybe backed himself a little more and maybe just gone, oh, you know what? Like, I'm just going to have a crack at this because what have I got to lose instead of just sitting there and, and just hoping that that big one was going to come? What do you reckon, Mick? Yeah, I know he needed a big score at the end. He was after an 8-2-4 to get the win. So he was obviously thinking, you know, I can't, like to get this score, I need to have a, be on a bomb, basically. And you could see he was just waiting for that bomb. Um, yeah, so it was... Um, I think that's probably his game plan. You know, obviously, his team would probably have said that. Look, we're not going to beat him on medium-sized waves. We need to be on the biggest or best waves here to, to beat him. So it was... Um, I mean, it was, and to be honest, it was working for him all the way through up until that, that, that right. particular heat. So 
um, yeah, full credit to him. Like he's um, he's in the top five guys. I know. Yeah. So if Mate, I know. yeah, I was about to say, but yeah, might not have been stoked that he waited, but I'm stoked that at least there's one Aussie up there having a crack and consistently getting in there and flying the flag, and he seems like a quality young lad. And uh, yeah, man, bloody stoked that he made the final. Yeah, and obviously a- Liam O'Brien up there, the two. Yeah, to uh, Nolly boys, mate. He was that was his first ever WCT, eh? Oh, I'm not too sure. I know he's been, he's oh, been that's around. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. mentioned it a few times. That was his yeah, first. Yeah, boy from Burley's first ever CT, and wow. what did he do? Made the well, semis against is, Morgan. Though. So one interesting one there. Did you did you guys know that they Liam O'Brien and Morgs were the two winners of those little 1,000 QSs they had here a couple of years ago? Yeah, I saw that. that Mandrew and uh, Youngout, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Cape Naturalist and. Mandra Pro, yeah. Because when I interviewed Morgan uh, down at Margie's, he's yep. like, oh, yeah, I've been over here, but I've never been to Margie's. I'm like, what? what? How does that work? He's like, oh, yeah, I went to some random place called Mandra. And I'm like, <laughs> what? What are you doing there? But, uh, there you go. He was winning comps. That's winning what he was comps, doing. yeah. So just on the just the whole Rottnest vibe, Mick, um, was there any other punters there, like non-Wazzle uh, staff and athletes, or was it just purely just all the athletes and staff? Yeah, um, it's pretty interesting actually. They had it, they had it really well secured. So basically, anyone that was over there for the basically for the week uh, couldn't get couldn't get to Strickland Bay at all. They are uh, so they had that Mary Cove, so the one before Strickland Bay that was used for the broadcast team. So they had a security guard out the front of that, so you couldn't get to there. Just one security guard. One security guard there, and they also had a security guard at um, obviously the entry, the path to Strickos. And if you didn't have a pass, you weren't getting in. Well, there. just a couple of boys just take out the security guard, mate. So. Yeah. Yeah, throw a, throw a quacker at him. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Just another thing too. Not only so they had really intense security there, but the boat security was full on. So um, yep. they had like basically all the water police and all that kind of stuff, um, stopping people from coming into the area. So even if they they knew the event was on, they were making sure they went wide. Um, I don't know if you guys saw on the broadcast, but there was one uh, one person that breached and got through. He was in a Get on yeah, in. guy got got through, and he's on a boat that looked like something out of Mad Max or oh, something. Legend. <laughs> so uh, he came through, and obviously they they pushed him and turned him around the other way, and he anchored up, and then he came back in his tender for another go, and uh, his boat was there for the rest of the week, but he wasn't, so I think he might have been escorted off the island. So uh, <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Yeah. But I've um, been escorted off the island before, <laughs> many years ago. Yeah, I think I've may come or may close not have, a few times. May or may not have happened. Do you know Nathan Lynch, Mick? Um, I know he was the guy doing the writing and stuff, but I haven't met him. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there, whether it was creative license, because I thought that he had sort of passes to get in, but he spent the week writing about how he couldn't get into the yeah. Wazzle bubble, but um, eventually got in on Final Star. So I know um, you said before, Mickey, the commentary or, or whatever was set up in the in the other bay. I noticed that on the drone shots a bit, because I was really interested in the actual the building and stuff at Rotto because I knew there would have been all these sort of environmental restrictions and all that I would have thought and I know that just is absolutely minimal infrastructure at Stricko's it's it's literally a shed on some on some coppers logs um so they look like they'd used that shed and then scaffolded into the dunes I guess because there was nowhere else to go I'm sure they did it uh trying to follow as much environmental protocol as they could but I noticed that yeah, there was that whole other bay behind it had a hell set up as well. How, how did all how did all that work? Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. So all the big trucks that you see for broadcast and all that they were at that Mary Cove, so the other one. And then um, 
when you come to the end, for those that have been to Strickland Bay, there's obviously the toilet block at the top there and a little dead-end section, and they, they basically did a lot of scaffolding and that kind of stuff there, and that's where the broadcast, when you're watching Rabbit and um, Ronnie Blakey and all that kind of stuff, they set up their little area up the top there. Um, but so they, that means they couldn't see the live action then. So they were watching on the screen. So yep. basically they were watching the broadcast um, that, yep. that everybody else was at, at home was watching through mm, okay. that. And that's, um, so that, they were basically closed, but they're obviously not watching it. And um, yeah, the guys did an incredible deal setting it up. And what you normally see when you're there became basically the surfers area. So that little hut that's always there when you go surfing, they put surf racks in there. So that's where yep. the surfers were. And it was pretty cool because it was so secured. Everyone would leave their stuff there. So, you know, yeah. people would ride back or catch the bus back. They could leave their boards, their weddies, everything out there. Yep. And the next day, so it was a pretty uh, user-friendly like that. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you could have infiltrated in there and just got yourself a whole bunch of 21-litre 5.11s, which are so good for nothing, really. <laughs> but uh, no, it was pretty good security. And um, like I was saying, Ethan, um, the event finished and the following day um, we did the early and we had to show, even though the event was over, we had to show our passes just to get yeah, over. Right. So um, they were stopping people the following day as they were doing pack up and all that. If you weren't part of the work crew or a competitor, um, you, weren't, you weren't allowed to get, get access to the... But you could still, s- still surf the nearby breaks around, yeah, or no? Absolutely, yeah. So some right. guys were getting... You've probably seen, uh, I think Surfing West Australia posted uh, Mikey Wright on the final day. A few of the guys surfed um, Rotten Box. I know guys like Phil Reed and Dave Del Car, they all went out and... Uh, surfed incredible waves there and because the tide was so high a lot of the waves you can't normally surf at the island you could surf it was yep. epic and Sick. guys surfing both sides of the island too um the monday which was the late day before the final stark bay was massive like huge and i think it was the coldest day of the year so far mm. uh, so a few of us went and checked that out late and uh, that, that was huge yeah. did anyone surf it yeah they did uh, a couple did of the guys from ripcall team kerry whitford and flano um they went out there and they said it was absolutely massive yeah yeah right yeah, full credit to them. pretty sideshore windy though eh? yeah yucky yeah, that was, that was talk of that being a potential backup venue, and that would have been the day. But um, thankfully, they didn't um, they didn't go for it because it, it was absolutely pouring that whole day up until yeah. late in the afternoon. So you could probably only get one or two heats in towards the end. Mm. Yep, yep. So, uh, Mick, what was the what was the general vibe from the athletes? Did they actually enjoy Rotto and the actual wave? Yeah, um, the general vibe is obviously different depending if you win the event or if you yeah, get knocked true. out straight away. And obviously, as we mentioned before, it had been a very um, Long two of them with four events, but the the vibe is awesome. Like everyone was getting pictures with uh, quackers. Uh, everyone seemed to love it. Um, the guys were awesome. Like um, just for general people wanting to get photos with the, um, you know, I saw guys out for dinner and all that kind of stuff. And general public people over there with their families, they were getting photos with pro surfers. They're all friendly. Surfers seem to love getting selfies with quackers. See, and all Billy James got a couple of photos uh, <laughs> with a couple of pro surfers. Yeah, so oh, that, Billy in the uh, in the quacker arms. Yeah, it was epic. But um, no, the guys absolutely loved it. And I think it was a really unique experience for them to, to be at Rottnest. Not many people had been there before. Um, yeah, so it was, it was absolutely epic. It's quite a cool little opening ceremony as well. The it was. It was a really beautiful ceremony. And um, full credit to the local indigenous there, Lenny Collard. And uh, just absolutely fantastic bunch of guys. And did a really good job of educating the surfers and staff about uh, Rottnest in general. Um, I don't know if you guys got to see it, but... the uh, WSL posted an incredible edit, um, which Lenny's talking about the history of Rottnest. And uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I learned so much from a, this four or five minute edit and um, to, to what's, you know, what they, unfortunately, the Indigenous had to go through. Um, but just, li- and also other things with education where they used to believe that uh, six or 7,000 years ago, they could walk from the mainland of Perth out to Rottnest Island. So mm. if you haven't get, if you get a chance to check it out, um, check that out. On the so that's on the Wazzle side, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think mm. it came out early May um, and definitely worth checking out for sure. Speaking of the uh, Wazzle, 
Sorry to cut you off, Abdi. <laughs> um, Nathan Lynch said there was a, a nice wrap-up party at the, I guess it was a Quokka Arms or maybe the Gov. Best on ground, Mick? Um, oh, dear. Uh, it'd probably be... Um, Billy James or Boomer? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, a lot of them had left by that stage. I know probably the big one actually was... Uh, they knew Monday was going to be a horrible day, so they called that day off. So everyone knew. So everyone and WSL and Corona put on a night at the pub that night. So that was uh, for a lot of people. They let their hair down that night for sure. So that was pretty incredible. It's actually a, a really good, unique party because everything seemed to be quite well. Uh, everyone was quite well behaved, and then um, the DJ started, and everything just turned from there. That's what happens when DJs start. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing so good happens when a DJ it, starts. Uh, <laughs> just changed, but everyone had a great night there. And I think for a lot of people, especially the staff, they've been away for like up to a month and all that. So that was a good night for them. To let their hair down. Give us um, names, names, mate. Yeah, B-O-G. Who was best on ground, Mickey? Who was flaring the hardest at Any Rotto Rails? Um, oh, there was... No, I think from the competitors, Jadson Andre was pretty incredible. He uh, he got knocked out first up um, and he just stayed there the whole time and loved it. So he was surfing. He's surfing his brains out and um, yeah, he had an awesome night. I remember uh, they made a big circle. He was one of the guys that went in and... Uh, yeah, Dobbo, one of the uh, surfing WA work crew guys. He, I uh, didn't realise he had break dancing moves like he did. He, uh, <laughs> he got in the circle and did some incredible uh, manoeuvres. Same as Renato Hickel from uh, WSL. He got in the middle as well. So it was a good night for them to let their hair down after being away from home for a month and enjoying a late day off. Classic. Mate, um, just when T-Bone asked you before, like, what, what do the competitors actually think of, of Rotto and the wave? I, I sort of noticed something that really stood out to me on the first day. Um, was how fun the waves actually looked. Um, you know, it was offshore and three foot or whatever, and it's sort of surf that uh, I guess it looks really familiar to us because it's it's Western Australia, but it's sort of waves that we see a lot and go, wow, it's 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 pretty good out there, you know. But um, it's really hard to surf, which is like what you were saying earlier. Like, yeah, it looks. It is good and I would love, I'd get up and I'd just fly along on my single fin and not do any moves and kick out and go, that was a sick wave because it was clean and I went fast. But especially that first day, I noticed, mate, everyone was really struggling with the speed of the wave because obviously they're trying to do manoeuvres on it um, and and as soon as they did, the wave just ran away from them. So, uh, um, yeah, it looked really fun waves but obviously hard to uh, surf it really well. but I think it sort of changed a bit, the angle or something. It definitely got a little bit slower, the, the piece of the waves, on a few other days. And I don't know. So, I mean, it's no Chopu or Cloud Break or something, but was was the majority of the vibe that it was a worthy event and it was a, a good fun wave? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they absolutely loved it. Like, as we mentioned before, obviously this time of year, they had really big high tides in the morning. So that led to, obviously, um, some flatter kind of waves. But as the tide would drop and the swell would come up, that was obviously when Strico's, I guess peaks up a little bit more you get some a-frames and uh that's definitely makes it a lot easier to use it's um uh, one thing too is kind of like completely role reversal we spoke about last time about how gnarly the end section on the right at, at margaret's is this one it's obviously the left yeah. um, so the left and what those guys were doing like if you never surfed that before you're going holy you know like forming airs and landing on dry dry basically rock and reef um that's a really gnarly end section to the left Real sort of craggy brutal. limestone isn't it pretty sharp absolutely brutal and but yeah when it was um high tide and small at the start like what you're talking about Adzi, it was really you could see how hard it is to surf because you it's a really fast wave and you 
yeah, obviously guys want to get multiple manoeuvres in, but it's really hard to do because it's such a fast moving. And then luckily as it gets a little bit lower and a bit bigger, it gives the guys a bit more time to, to get those couple of turns in and stuff. I think Gabby was clearly, obviously won the event for, for me. He was clearly the standout surf of the whole event. Some of the turns he was doing, his front side punts, it was just above everyone else. Like Morgs did a great effort in the final, but he, he, he couldn't match Gabby for power and just how he's surfing. It was just incredible. Yeah, I, I totally agree, T-Bone. He, um, he's absolutely incredible. Not only his performance, but also his strategy, his mental. I remember he had a heat against Owen Wright and um, he was leading the heat and a sick wave came through. Owen had just caught the one before and uh, he let the wave go. Like, you know, it's pretty hard as a surfer you want if you get a good... But he knew there was like four minutes to go. If he didn't go this wave, Owen was out of position that you obviously the time would come down. Just little things like that. Yep. His tactics is phenomenal. And when you watch it there, you can go, geez, this guy's a smart switched on competitor. And also like some of his, he just like literally his ability, him and also Italo and Jaeger Dora was another one. The, yeah, the he way, looked good, Jaeger. The way they could produce speed is next yep. level. Uh, so phenomenal. Like they were getting two two to three manoeuvres in where most of us would be battling to get one, you know. And um, even little things like you break down Medina's aerials, like he does... He's make. He just makes everything he goes Very for. Very strong, isn't he? And uh, one of the guys was mentioning to me how he's doing full rotations without even using his arms. It's like it's just a twist. You know, most people would have to wind up and yeah. get their arms going. He'd yeah, just right. do that. But um, I think... Oh, sorry. We just talked about Yago Dora. I think he probably actually had the performance of the event. Um, he had a great quarter. Or was it... Yeah, I think uh, quarter final, I think. Or semi. Yeah. Uh, it was a heat, it was heat against uh, Conor O'Leary. And unfortunately, Conor was chasing a 8 Ah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah, Yago, had yeah, for me, he was the surfer of the event. Incredible. I loved the way he was, especially being a goofy foot. Fuck, he was ripping. Yeah. Ripping bra. Uh, look, he, he was ripping, but oh, <coughs> I've got an issue just with the mate, same issue. I always bring up just the whole air to related to everything else. Like, mate, he got a 957 Yago Dora for one big spinning air that he took off like down the end of the wave. I know it's a big air and this pretty, and that, but it was pretty big. That was yes. critical. Oh, pretty big section. Critical compared uh, to I, look, I'm not, look, I'm not trying I'm, to I'm with you, mate, but that's a bit different away. on a section like that. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly, but, mate, there's just no flow, you know, I don't know. I reckon his style is like, as good as any of the Brazilians. Give it an eight for sure, an 8.5, but to go, like, almost perfect. Well, like a couple of judges gave it a 10, didn't they? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Let's hear mix. Let's hear mix. How can a wave be a perfect 10 if you take it off halfway down the line and... Just doing an aerial and that. To me, that's just never going to be a 10. There's it a few elements be. involved, like a, mate. I'm yeah. sure Mick will cover. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking like if it's a 10, I mean, it's got to be a flowing good way from start to finish. Uh, that's that's just my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I mean, it. like it was a massive air, but, oh, mate, you can't just take off down the end and just get 10s from some judges for doing one manoeuvre on the end section. It just doesn't. Doesn't sit well with me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Argue with Mick about fair. it. Okay. No, that's totally fair enough, Ads. And that's why when they, you know, that's why there's got five judges on the tour. You know, like five judges per heat because people have difference of opinions, just like yourself. And yep. absolutely, a hundred percent. And um, every people that's going to watch, you know, everyone has a different favourite surfer. You know, some people love the fundamentals that someone like a Connor Kaufman, Kaufman or a Wade, uh, Wade Carmichael would do. You know, opposed to the guys that are doing these manoeuvres. But um, that particular heat, you know, I just looked at it there, and he's got a nine one and a nine five seven, so yeah. incredible heat. And that oh, he was that, on five. Yeah. No the nine one was that. rail surfing, wasn't it? That was that was rail surfing, and then it's he a had shame the, variety. Yeah, and then he's um that that particular area did obviously it's a complete rotation, but he's also landing the flats. So the degree of difficulty, the risk, and 
yeah, to, to watch it in real life. And like I was saying, kind of difference when you're watching live to a broadcast, when you saw that in real life, it was, um, it was pretty incredible to watch actually. Like the, uh, the risk for injury was huge. Um, in fact, all those, those guys were doing yeah, no, the, no, the no, risk yeah. was Mate, huge. He'll have future injuries. His knees will be absolutely buckled by the time yeah, he's 35. have to be... Uh, be no cartilage left, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Meniscus is the one I was oh, thinking Speaking of knees, you heard it yeah. first on Barrel's Head Podcast, confirmed ACL. Yeah. John John Florence. Not ACL reconstruction. Not a recon. Talking about our um, our fifth invisible member of the podcast, Trev <laughs> from Down South Physio. <laughs> Seems to be getting a mention every episode because um, I'm down there a couple of times every week doing my own rehab. And we were talking about it. It's still not known exactly. Even Trev was like, yeah, it's a bit of... Trev wants to know. Yeah, okay. uh, about it, but um, part, as we all I, heard, it, I think it was a part reconstruction. Yeah, well, I read something that it, it got reattached, so it obviously detached, mm. but didn't break. Just or, what super glued it back? Or? Yeah, well, mate, something to that effect that maybe a fracture of the bone where the ball, ball ligaments skin on his, uh, yeah, yeah, his ligaments there, where the ligament connects to the bone yeah. might have detached, and they somehow fix that back. But to not have a full recon is why he's showing promise. He's dreaming. Yeah. He's dreaming for the Olympics. Wow. Is it worth it going over to surf one mate, foot? We're going to see the golden goat over yeah. in oh, the Olympics. Mate, it's guaranteed. He'll somehow get in the goat. Well, the two the two spots are both injured, aren't they? So even if he's not in, he'll hey. just turn up and be like, "Oh, what are you guys doing here?" Like <laughs> he'll he'll open up a, a new wave pool on the on the day of the finals or yeah. something just to take <laughs> take the attention away from the gold <laughs> medal winners. Sure. Yeah, but um. All right, well, I'm sure Mickey's got uh, plenty of points, um, but along the uh, along my little gripe with theirs there, I've got another one that I can bring up. Well, as his gripes, it could be a new segment on Barrel, <laughs> Barrel Surf Podcast. Uh, and he's on light beer today too as yeah, well. I yeah, yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> I think I need to get on the stiff ones. Well, so. it, it is Saturday, mate. So. Yes, yes, it's early Saturday though, so we'll, we'll build up to it. Um, but, mates, Pupo versus Berez. Uh Pupo got a four-second perfect tube uh, with one little speed oh, uh, versus, uh, for six points. Four seconds. Four, mate. And it was like Mentawi's perfect. That left where he just See, double-handed. I've, I've got an issue with that. Do you? Big time. You don't like it? It should be way higher than a six. Yeah, that's my issue. I'm yeah. glad we're on board four here. Four-second barrel. Why do, mate, we go, why do we go surfing? Mate, exactly. I to get barrel. I in. know that... It's no Chopu. I know that these guys surf so good that any one of those could have probably made that tube or whatever. Wave selection, but mate. It's, it's part of the criteria. Wave selection. How can, and like everyone's doing turns and everyone's doing all these airs. How many people got it? Absolute picture perfect. Four second, mate. It was almost five seconds. Like it was a long start to finish. Tube the whole way and kicked out. Like, With a little turn or no? Nah, didn't. Just kicked out. Just oh. No, I can't remember. Well, he bot- obviously bottom turned into the barrel. Yeah, no, Kinda. he almost didn't. No, yeah. He just pulled in straight oh, okay. away. All right. But, mate, it was a very, very perfect wave. Like, by far the most perfect wave of the whole comp. And that sort wasn't of critical, wasn't thick, wasn't, didn't have any sort of... Uh, better than any tubes I've seen you pack, mate. We're <laughs> <laughs> well, getting personal in the body. <laughs> well, mate, no, um, mate, but seriously, like, to have the most perfect wave of the comp... And being such a perfect clean tube, to just only give it six points, like I know, yeah, I know it's not clear. It wasn't break or six whatever. points, Adzi. It was it was he got scored a seven and a half and seven point two seven in that in that heat you're talking about. Yeah, because they didn't yeah, because that one didn't even factor into his top two. That's why. I'm trying All right, to watch it. But uh, mate, yeah. mate, no, what I want to say is that okay. like wave selection, yeah, it's not cheaper or whatever, but it was the best tube of the whole comp. 
And for me, I'd rather watch that tube all day long over one of these big high spinners because the tube is the ultimate goal in surfing. That's that's what we're all chasing. We have talked about this, haven't we? I know, we've been over it again. I feel... Like I'm bringing it up again, but it just keeps happening. So you're talking Poopo's tube, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, I've got it right and, here. Yeah, and and versus on the, in that same heat, he did one speed turn and a mild 360 air for seven and a half points. So, like, so what do you reckon the, the tube's mate? worth, Adzi? Well, let's Happy let's let eight. Mick break it down. Here it is now. Break it down, yeah. Mick. So that, no, that's not the one. So barrel dodging. Here we go. Barrel dodging. Yeah. So as, as I mentioned, like one, last week when we caught up, the very first what a judge. Judges always do is they compare the first wave ridden of a heat for the rest of the heat. So when you look at that, Miguel Pupo, his very first wave, he's got a tube, which is what the one you guys showed there, T-Bone, where he's actually backdoored the section. So he's taken off speed line, then he set himself up and actually backdoored the whole section. And basically that's that's what, as judging, that's what you want to see. Guys that commit to those turns, uh, sorry, commit to those barrels. And that's the way, one thing that's really gets analysed in barrel riding is how they set the, the tube up. The easiest way to get a tube is what the one you're referring to, Adam, where he's taken off and the wave is beautiful. And he's just basically taken off, put his hand in and basically been under stall. A couple of things that happened. So the setup's not as good. And also when you look at that wave, he wasn't very deep at all. So his board was exposed out for the whole time. Whereas his previous one, the one they're comparing to at the start of the heat, he's actually a lot deeper. So what did that one score? So that was, I believe, in the seven range. Okay. Um, one T-bone yeah. showed us. So that's what they're doing is they're comparing that wave. And I agree that wave that you're referring to is definitely a bigger wave. If you're free surfing, that's the one you want. Cause have you got it too, mate? Sorry, mate. Have you got that wave? I did. I just showed it before. Yeah. No, that yeah. was it. No, the, the so long barrel one that got seen. Uh, you, you didn't show us the long oh, one. Oh, that. So that's what they look at, guys. Head degree, degree of difficulty. Yeah. Also, no, he wasn't like super deep, but man, it yeah. was just so nice to watch. And it's a rarer move in that comp because hardly any barrels went down, but so many airs did. Like I just thought reward the what barrel did, what did more. sally's backhand barrel get what? she i know she got uh i think it was a nine she got an i've just looked I think it was here. eight wasn't it, it? it was an eight, eight yeah, something she, i know she got an eight in one of her heats she also she had an eight one seven that was in the final um she had a nine one i'm not too sure if that was when she comboed tyler oh, the nine the one was that was um, big vertical oh, was turn and then turns. a yeah. pretty average floater i thought i know it was into it was the kind of critical though i know it she was, was in the was a critical landing anyway but it didn't her. look very yeah. nice I no it wasn't i thought yeah. that one was well, the first turn was sick but yeah. yeah well sometimes we do see some fairly high scores for just a couple of maneuvers yeah yeah and, and like mickey's saying i guess it just looks a lot of stuff looks different in in the flesh which probably counts for a lot really yeah. in all these different sorts of um conversations we're having it's probably a and, pretty key factor and just on that adzi too one thing um one thing that was awesome so when you watch when the guys are watching so the judges watching the replay they're watching it uh with barrel riding they really obviously as i mentioned last time they've got their own video photographer or sorry video camera guy that videos from their angle but when it comes to tubes they're able to get the broadcast ones they can see how deep they were they they definitely look at different angles um and that one that's what they're really looking for the deepness of the tube and how critical it is but as i said the setup's huge in in tubes and guys that are taking off and backdooring sections that's when you're going to get these these big scores um See, yeah, I, I find it easier to backdoor a section because you're already on your feet. I actually find it harder to slip in a one straight away, me personally. Because, you know, you, I don't know. That's just me. I, yeah. I like a backdoor one where I get a bit of time. I take my drop, do my bottom turn, get a bit of speed up. Here it comes, pull in, go. Yeah. Well, as it's opposed all, to 
dropping in straight away. It's all about commitment. So at the end of the day, that's yeah, what else doesn't barrel, mate. What are you talking yeah, about? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so obviously back, back to it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's a really good point. I'm really glad actually, Adji, you brought that up because that's a huge thing. That's like okay, barrel barrel riding is one of the the biggest ones. But they're looking at the depth and they're also looking at the setup. So how and um that that's a really good exchange to see. So if you do get a chance to look at anyone that wants to review it, uh, check out Miguel Pupu's first first ride compared to the one you're referring to, Adzi. Yep. And um yeah, absolutely it's a really good comparison to look at. But that's what they're looking for, mate. The um the deepness and the critical Was there um yeah, any other sort of controversial ones um that you've got your notes that you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, there's heaps. There's like <laughs> I will look through it. So an event for a guys and girls is seventy heats. So for a, a male and female there's seventy heats. I looked through it, guys, and you've pretty much written notes on every one of well, those heats. Give us the one where an athlete's come up. Okay, to the I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get there. On. And like out of those seventy heats, guys, nineteen of them were decided by less than a point. Wow! So that gives oh. you guys a huge thing. Um, close, huge thing. So it's so close, um, really close. So the, the ones I, I know that were talked about online, obviously, was the one you were referring to, T Bone, in regards to the exchange between Julie and and uh, Morgan. Uh, so that exchange of those two particular waves, um, and the other one that was really close, and one that what the guys would do at the end of the day, they'll review heat. So if they've got really close ones, they'll go back over it and um, basically sat down. So there was one day where we had a heat. Um, it was between uh, Ryan Callahan and um, Leo Friavanti. And yep. um, that was an incredibly close heat. And um, Ryan started on fire with an eight. And then uh, Leo come back and just narrowly, narrowly got the, the win. And that was one that, uh, the guys researched and watched over a lot. Um, and okay. did, did Cullen and win on review? Uh, so when they all reviewed it, you know, they've, they've gone through, obviously, the decisions made, but that, that was an extremely close heat. Yes, yeah, so that was one where, you know, you, you definitely look at it. Um, am I allowed to talk about Ryan for a moment? Ryan Cullen? Of course you yeah. yeah. Why? No. Of course he can. I, yes. I looked at it. So he, he's lost, uh, like I was saying, he lost this one at righto by 0.46. So it's really, really close. And um, the, big, the big talking point was that his very first wave was an eight. And basically, the, the conversation was, did was that could that have been higher? And hypothetically, if it's slightly higher, the result would be different. So yep. that was a big talking point in that when they were, when people were reviewing it. So he's lost up close, as you mentioned last week. He lost Margs. He made it through the quarters and lost it by zero point one. Uh, in Narrabeen, he lost to Reith Hazewood, who was on fire uh, convincingly. But then in Narrabeen, sorry, in Newcastle, the very first one, he made it through the quarters. Him and Morgan Silly actually tied, so they had a tiebreaker. So it's so close what, what's gone from him. So, so they he break. could be top five pretty easily. 100%, yeah. So it's so close. And him, um, someone was actually asking me how they break down tiebreakers. So in this case, Morgan and Ryan had a 10.37. Uh, and basically what they do is they look at who's got the highest scoring wave. Uh, so in this case, Morgan had a 5.7, Ryan had a 5.5. Five. So he's lost that heat, then they tiebreak by 0.2. And then obviously if the, all the scores are, are equal, that's when they'd go to their third wave. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's how they do it. Mate, I think Bronte so had that in the quarters at Maris too, didn't she? She got a yeah, really close. One. She got like, I think it was a tie with um Joan Defay. It's cool to see how devoted all these guys are. Like we're talking about, oh Tyler Wright was tired and all that, and and T Bone's like, hey, what about the guys working all day, mm-hmm. mate? These guys have just worked all day. Probably got there early, been judging under stress and that, and then when the day's over. They just watch them all again and make sure exactly. they're right. I like it. Man. Mate, it's surf nerds, cool. they just want to watch surfing all day long, yeah, all night know. long. That's it. They're yeah. just full nerds and they're just, it's cool to see that they're so dedicated to trying to get it right because, mate, they cop it. They cop a heap of flack and yep. we're, we're always loving to dish it out. Everyone loves to dish it out, but um, 
Well, it's good to see that they're really trying their very hardest, and even when they think they've got it right, they double check it. It's pretty Still cool. Still check it, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's good that there's some scrutiny of what they do. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, sorry, go on, Mick. You've I know you got. Oh three, yeah, three yeah. Pages no, it's, worth it's really notes. interesting, but you know, it's it's one of those things, and um, they they get right into it. Yeah. So it's like I was saying, it's just so good to watch them how it all unfolds, how they analyze it, um, to the point where if someone. Um, Someone needs a certain score. Say, hypothetically, someone needed a seven to get through the heat. Um, they could say, okay, okay we're going to watch this wave. So they rewatch the way that they're, they're about to score. And then we're going to watch a seven from the last heat. And straight away, you can see which one's better. And, um, and I didn't mention it last week. So the way, that, the way the process works is the guys and girls will watch a wave. And they'll write it. They've got a little sheet. They write the score on the sheet. And then they put the score into the computer. So if it's red, go on the red rash vest, they'll write, write red. So if they think it's a seven, they write red seven. All the judges put their score in, then they watch a re- replay. When they watch a replay, it gives them the opportunity to see, to make sure they've seen what they've seen. So um, there's a classic example at Margaret's where John John was in a heat and his back foot came off. And the guy's written their score. They watched it, watched the replay. And when the replay, you could see clear that his foot come off. When you watch it in real time, you didn't know if he didn't. And that gave the guys a chance to come down or come up. So basically what they do is they put the score in. The head judge can see it. And once they're all happy with it, uh, that's when they lock it in and we see it. The world goes out to the world. So they get to exchange it and have a look at it before it goes through. I bet you that the judges don't like overlapping heats. It must be a nightmare because you just got to make these quick decisions, check the replay. With, fucking with not as you got Mick Plowman spotting for you, making yeah, sure uh, that everything is being covered. I, <laughs> I have noticed that he came in here today. He's, he's, he's still cockeyed. His left's going left <laughs> and his right's going right. Sort of his eyeball muscles have been a bit overworked. Though. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to watch him actually. That, as a surf fan, there's nothing better. And one thing that. Um, people don't realize is if um generally in a heat um there's no heat restarts in an overlapping heat so if you're in a heat um, ah. and you don't catch a wave in your, your first 10 or 15 minutes you are uh, it's bad luck you know so what makes it go so the guys that start their heat they don't have priority in that first half of their heat they've really got to make an emphasis to um to catch waves basically because there's no restart for them um, so that's a really interesting one. one. One interesting, sorry, we're talking about interesting things that came out of Rotto. Go for one, it, mate. One Go amazing mate. thing. Stop sorry, Mick. Well, sorry, I'm a bit passionate. I could just <laughs> no, go on and on. on. Mr. Nice, uh, saying sorry too much. Yeah. One, ama- one amazing thing, there was a heat between Leo Fivanti and uh, Morgan Sibley, and um, the heat heats were running for 35 minutes. And what, what happened was um, no ways had been ridden in the first 10 minutes, and both of them are looking up at the judging tower and the commentaries, and we basically going, why aren't we getting a restart? And the surfers actually didn't know if a, sur- if a heat is over 30 minutes, it's actually 15 minutes is the um, time that's allowed to uh-huh. a lap before they'll do a restart. Mm-hmm. If a, a heat's 30 minutes or below, that's when it's only 10 minutes. So it was really interesting to see, you know, two guys at the elite level. So surely your coaches should be on aware. top of that for you. It was really interesting to watch. Yeah, so they're looking at it and the, the head judge had to say to the beach commentary, hey, just let the guys know it's a 35-minute heat. We've got 15 minutes before a wave gets ridden. And yeah, so that, that's how it works. And then... You, Another thing too with heat restarts, like when they're doing events, if waves are rideable and surfers just elect not to go them, they won't do a restart. Opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. Mm. Yeah. So that, that was a really interesting thing to come out of out of that, yeah. Yeah, I'm going back to that, it's interesting that the um, surfers aren't made aware of that by their coaches. Who coaches, Leo? Fiervanti? Uh, was it do we know? Snake? Snake was no, coaching was doing, a couple of years back. yeah. I think Snake would definitely be helping him if no one else Maybe was. Maybe Tommy Witts. I'm what not about? Sure. Oh yeah, might be. What about Ryan Callan? Uh that's Dog Marsh, Doggy. Mm. 
Snoop Dogg. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah well, you know, you think that would be part of the coach's brief because they obviously can't really make them surf better. It's all tactics and stuff like that, you think, headspace, so... Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. How about uh, Mikey Wright? Looking good. I mean, he's always looking good. Uh, really like how he looks on land as well, but uh, looking good in the water for the yeah. First made a couple time, of heats. Really. Didn't uh, he? Made a couple of heats. Um, it was good to see him just break that monkey on his back a little bit. That cheeky monkey. Um, I thought his boards looked too long for Rotto. I don't know if it was just me, but maybe the you know how he does the. Hand-drawn Quicksilver. Maybe it's because of that. I just yeah, thought his boards look really big, long. Needs a bigger board to fit the texture on. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably riding a five-seven or something. But they looked looked quite long to me. He, he had that last-minute win, which was really good against uh, Griff Kohler. Mm. Um, mm. That mate, good. that was that was really good to see. One thing I didn't like about that heat, though, was uh, I could be wrong. Uh, maybe Mick might know something about this. Maybe not. It was right. It was only a couple of minutes to go, and Griff Kohler actually got a little right-hander to take the lead, and uh, and he surfed it all the way through. And EE was about to paddle out for the next heat, and I saw EE fellow Aussie giving Griff and Kohler some, uh, you know, a, a bit of praise and hey, Billabong, Billabong teammates, maybe, and just going get back out there, get back out there, and I'm like, mate, what are you doing? It's he's is an Aussie out there. He's battling away. You're an Aussie, like the Brazos, mate. Let's been, talk about this. Yeah, the been, Brazos, the hunting packs, are they're all good hunting, mates, mate. They're, it seems to be a really patriotic team vibe that all the Brazos are getting down there, backing each other, watching each other's heats, this, that, and the other. There's no way they would have been doing that mm. in that position. And I, yeah, it took a bit of a shine off. And I can only hope that EAE was saying. Get your leggy snag on a piece of limestone, you prick. Like, I was <laughs> oh, hoping that's what he was saying. Fucking looks like EE's lined right. up for a Clive Palmer. Oh, I well, yeah, actually. <laughs> looks, maybe looks like the, uh, the monkeys out of the box, is yeah, that the expression? I know, but, uh, so, mate, it, it, yeah, it wigged me out a bit. I was just like, come on, man. Where's the patriotism? What is should, going on? You should have been throwing rocks at him, not with egging e- him What's on going on with Ethan Ewing, though? He was going to be the next big thing. What's, what's happening in his heats, Mick? Is he... Just not flaring enough, or why is he not scoring, getting the scores? Yeah, it's interesting because he he's a freak. I, I love watching him surfing. A lot of people. So do I. Everyone does. Yeah. He's just not not making it. Yeah, and it's just so close. No, he um, but he's he's unique. I really love watching him surfing, and a lot of people reference him to Andy Irons, a very similar style. And uh, yeah, he's, he's an incredible surfer. I I really hope he gets a good result and stays on tour because he's uh, mm. he's that good to watch. And he's one of those guys when his heat's coming up, you always want to watch it. Um, yeah, so I don't know what's going on, but um, yeah, is he not getting rewarded with his waves? Or his, yeah, I don't know. He's just had some really tough ones. Like he mm. had, um, I know his heat. I'm pretty sure his heat here at Rottnest was one of those early morning high tide heats. Yeah. So I don't think that heat had a, many opportunities in it. Unfortunately, it was like a sim- heat similar to uh, the one we saw Taj in, where not many waves came through, and he ended up with one wave for the entire heat. But like free surfing, watching him, he's a standout. He's yeah. Elite. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. So. Um, Mick, have you got the inside scoop on David Silver and Morgan Sibilic? I know they had a bit of an interference in one of their heats, and then Morgan come in from his, uh, his his heat. I can't remember what round it was, and and looked like David Silver tried to sort of paddle in front of him to sort of interfere with his yep. wave. What was the go there, mate? Any heated words in the yeah um, in the athletes' fucking locker room? Yeah, I don't know how it went, obviously, in there, but that was um that was in a situation where it was watched a hundred times in the uh, and reviewed. Uh, what had happened. It was a really unique situation. So it started at the very start of their heat. It was the three-man heat, so in the opening round. And basically, for those that didn't see it, um, our left-handers come through and they're both hassling for the left. 
Morton Sibic was really in an unusual position where he was basically sitting side on to the wave and he didn't paddle. And then the waves come and uh, David Silver's actually paddled deeper, so he's further out and he's paddled deeper for the wave and uh, basically he changed his line and uh, they've made contact. So as David Silver's trying to catch the wave, he's made contact. As in like more. boards, bodies? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a knock the there. The elbows. So it's just, uh, yeah, so that was a really tough one to watch because it was a guy that, it was kind of like contact, but was was it made by him? The fact that he decided to go deeper. Yeah. It was a really unusual situation, but they, they watched it a million times. There's only two results. One, you could call an interference against yeah. um, Morgan, or you could, the other option was to give, um, because he, he'd been hindered, the other option would be to give David Silver priority over yeah. Morgan. But I think, you know, they, like I was saying, they watched it a million times, and um, it was a very unusual situation. But I think because... Because there had been hindrance and there had been contact, they yeah. had to make one of those two calls. Mate, got a question for you, and it happens to you all the time you go surfing, where you, you take off on a right-hander or a left-hander, and, and you've got people inside. Some people elect to just to paddle right in, in your path of your wave, or some people go inside and take a duck dive. Um, what's the ruling? Is there a ruling in, in the heats? It's within, the Jack Robbo rule, isn't it? It's the Jack Robbo yeah. rule. Is there a rule where... You know, you've got to take a, take some foam on the head or, or you can yeah. take the easiest route. So so way it works is if someone, obviously we're talking about the elite level where we're us- utilising priority. So basically priority, whoever's got that priority has unconditional right of way. So they can choose which way they want to go, if they want to go left or right, and they can't be hindered. So that's basically what it comes down to. As I mentioned kind of last podcast, if the person elects to get in their way... Um, which David Silva did he, to Morgan Civili. So... so if someone elects to go, this is talking, if someone's going up and riding, someone's in the way and they've basically, they've cut through the lineup or something like that, that's when they're going to get scored again, or sorry, get penalised. Uh, but if someone's been, uh, yeah, so if someone elects to do that and hinders, definitely if there's contact, they, they generally have to make a call. There's a lot of times though, you know, when you're surfing and, geez, we've all surfed our whole life and we can read the ocean fairly well and you see someone bearing down and you just every now and then get that moment like, which way should I yeah, go? Yeah, you're not yeah. worried you about yeah, yeah. You're not worried about copping the four footer on the head. It's just you think, well, if I paddle there, am I actually going to make it worse for? Yeah, them? exactly. Or or then you're the other way. Oh, head for the shoulder, and then they go out and rip a cutty or do something, and just like. So I guess that that element of um, just a bit of luck, and then uh, conversely, I guess you could use that to your advantage. Go, oh, he's he's paddling for the whitewater. I might just <laughs> fade here and just uh, tap his ankle, and uh, you know. Take him out. I don't know. It, it's actually uh, it's actually pretty rare to see. Would have for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, in, in the elite level, obviously, we're us- utilizing um, jet skis. So generally, the guys will get basically towed back out. So generally, you don't see it. But at our and I mentioned this last time we're on. Um, we see it a lot at Margaret River at the right hander when it's small. So uh, so and you do see it at Yelling Up as well here in West Australia, where people will finish a wave and instead of paddling wide, they'll actually try and cut through. If someone elects to cut through and they hinder someone's scoring potential with priority, you've, you've got to make the call. Yeah, that, yep. they've elected to do that. But, you know, obviously, as we talked about previously, if someone gets washed in by a wave and they end up in that particular person's wave, that's when you can give the person a bit of a leeway. But, yeah, um, right. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense, I guess. Yeah, because, say, yeah, Margie's right handy. You could 100% make the decision to paddle straight out towards the horizon as opposed to the paddling with the line of the wave to get there quicker and if you can see that they've they've done that and and made the right choice as opposed to yeah going oh geez i want to get out a bit bit quicker and take me chances and paddle and then it's like okay well you made that decision and and now you're in this spot even if the last few seconds of the uh situation 
is unpredictable. You made that initial choice uh, way yes. back at the start. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty interesting. Nikki, mm. well done. Yeah. So uh, obviously the Surf Ranch is coming up. Um, you, we were talking off air before, Mick. Uh, you, you got you got a bit of sc- bit of inside scoop on the I ranch. Do. Yeah, it sounds ranch pretty scoop. awesome. Yeah, I was lucky to catch up with a couple of guys and ask them how they actually judge the Surf Ranch, and they've actually changed it now. So um, what they used to do was split the panel up. So because of the Surf Ranch, they'll tell me so long. Um, basically, they'd have one group of judges at one end of the pool, and they judge the left as that would come up. And then you have another bunch of judges at the other end of the pool and they judge the right. So basically you'd have a team judging the left, teams judging the right, and they'd do it that way. Um, what they did last year and what they're going to do this year is they've actually made like a bunker. So uh, they all sit in a room, like they reckon it's a thick room. A, a like bunker? Yeah, a bunker and they reckon it's air conditioned and they basically sit there, same situation. They're, um, they sit behind a desk, they're um, completely broken off from each other so they can't see what the others are scoring, but they, they look and monitor the screens and they can have different angles, replays, um, so yeah, basically they're, they're watching it that way through the bunker um, and doing it that way because they reckon, um, like I was saying previously, they used to be judging the left or judging the right. So they've actually got the team working. Uh, one interesting thing is there's no priority in the wave pool. So the priority judge is True. pissed off, right? So we can't go to that, that oh, one event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can't he like hand out the rash first or something? Or? So yeah, I'm sure he wants to be there, poor guy. But um, yeah, that is one unique thing. So they do what they call the bunker and they're basically watching it through, through replays yeah, and, and getting it done that way. Sick, mate. It's, so uh, it's it's definitely going ahead. Obviously, it's all locked in. You can't see any speed bumps, any inside word that it's still tentative or anything. It's pretty uh, solid. It is one hundred percent on. So that starts on the eighteenth of June, and I got told the athletes actually can get there from the thirteenth, so they get like a five day warm up or no, no quarantine and to get into so the states. No obviously. quarantine, and they are. Um, is there no quarantine? No quarantine. Now, wow. The guys were telling me so. All the the staff are getting. Uh, getting their vaccine, obviously, in the US. And they were saying in the US, all you need is a postal address and you can get it. So as an Australian, you could go there and if you had a postal address of one of your mates, uh, you could get the vaccine. So they're all... Yeah. Let's go to Surf Ranch. All getting it done there. But um, so, yes, yeah, so that's going... So they basically do um, five days of training and the event starts. And um, the guys are telling me also, just that, that wave, guys, obviously, we all want to go and surf it. They reckon just the cost for that wave pool when they turn it on just to run it is 28,000 US a day just Fuck. to have that thing up and going. So, so what, are we talking like power costs and that sort of thing? Yeah. So obviously wow. that's just to get, they just basically to turn the, lot, uh, the, the waves on. And then obviously on top of that, you've got your staff and all that. So apparently last year, the WSL had a 1.6 million debt uh, or bill, I should say, for um, the athletes doing their warm up and training and that kind of stuff. So and it gives you no idea how expense. 1.6 million. That's what I got So who's coughing up that? Surely the, surely the Wazzle doesn't have that sort of reserve cash. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Did they sell? Do they, are they getting paid from Foxtel or KO? Well, it's sponsored, or isn't like it? That? Yeah. So that must be... The, Zo- the Zosie guy, what's his name? The Zosie, the billionaire that sort of um, funds it all? Zerk. Dirk Ziffers. Zerk, 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 yeah. yeah, Dirk Ziffers. Yeah, definitely. Any, like any inside skinny there, Mick? I do. I've got an insight Ooh. for you Ooh. in regards to scheduling. Um, give it to us. Is this a right. scoop, Mickey? It is a scoop, oh. yeah. So um, the guys confirmed to me. So I had a look at the WSL app this morning and it's Brazil's still on the schedule. Um, so the, the schedule was that basically they'd go to the surf ranch, Mexico, and then they go to Brazil. Uh, I've been told the athletes and the staff have been informed Brazil's not going to run. Yeah, so that's, that's a good decision for so everyone. So, yeah, so we're basically looking at three events remaining before the surf off with the Surf Ranch, Mexico, and then obviously Chopu. Um, yeah, so that's what we're looking at. So that is, uh, I guess, a little bit of inside info I kind of found out on the last mm. day. Definitely. So if you're not in the top 10, you want to get your, your skates on at the Surf Ranch. Um, 
So talking, let's just have a little bit of a chat about that. What Australians could potentially get into that top five? Morgan's there now. Julian Wilson is a possibility. And Arkell, they're the only two others that could possibly get in there, aren't they? Well, mate, I noticed uh, an interesting stat that uh, Liam O'Brien and uh, Morgs made the semis. That was the first Aussies all year, including Pipe, to make it into the semis, let alone the final. So, Jack... Jack Robbo needs to really come home strong. He does. Um, you know, Mexico, Chopu, fuck, he'd need to win both events, wouldn't he? Mate, the idea of having not one Aussie in the top five surf-off is pretty heartbreaking, to be honest, as a patriotic Aussie yeah. surf fan. Yeah. It's, you know, we're, all, we're taking it for granted. Morgan. So yeah, who's, no, who's, I, who's the saying, top five now? As three, a possibility. Right. Three Brazilians, John John and Morgan, yeah? Uh, yeah, so and Gabriel's in Jordy. the guys. Gabriel, Italo, Jordi, Philippe, and then Morgan. Um, oh, well, so John John's out now. John John's in the six. So Morgan, by making that final, guys, moved up six spots, I've seen. So yeah. He's yeah. Boys, if, it, as it makes you feel any better, the women's is a bit better because we've got Steph and Tyler. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't yep. make me feel that much so, better. Uh, and <laughs> Sal. Sorry, I forgot about Sal. <laughs> so three, three Australians. Three, yeah. Plus, yeah. currently. Plus um, Carissa good. and who else? Uh, well, Stefan uh, joined a fire tied fifth at the moment. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Or Taddy it? too. Taddy. So Taddy's in the fire this year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Tatties. Mate, um, on, on the whole domination of, of Gabby and Italo, you know, and, and I guess John, but John's just always had this bit of a question mark going for the last couple of years uh, in, just in terms of injuries and stuff. Um, mate, watching... Gabby and Italo at the moment, you know, they're just that next level. I was kicking back the other night watching uh, Michael Jackson at the MTV Awards doing his moonwalk to Billie Jean and then I uh, must have been on the dancing and then I was watching John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, his little dance scenes and made it just sort of... Um, what the actual fuck, Adam? I know, mate. Well, mate, I love a good dance, but, uh, <laughs> mate, I just had this Were you abstract thought that... <laughs> Mate, watching Michael Jackson doing that dance and Johnny Travolta in his peak, mate, that's what we're seeing right now with Gabby and Italo, like is the two best in the absolute peak of their life. And as much as I'm the patriotic, I want to see the Aussies win and that, you can't help but appreciate. So who's who? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, actually. Whoever's not John Travolta is definitely getting the rough end of the stick there. <laughs> but um, No, I just had this feel, you, you know, when you're watching... Like Jordan in his prime, or someone yeah. like, mate, these are the best guys in the world, and they're in their prime right now. And you, you just got to appreciate it, even if you don't want Brazil to win world titles. You can't help but appreciate it. You, you must admit, Gabby looks way more relaxed than Italo. Italo, Italo, Italo can flick the switch and jump on boards, and he, yeah. looks, he looks like he's he's fucking picked. Peeking off his head Mate, the whole time. He is so cooking. Like any um the, any insight into Italo's yeah. um, How many Red Bulls did he drink on Rotto, mate? What yeah, about his other rail game? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's pretty amazing. Those, those two guys, obviously, they're first and second in the world at the moment. Um, but those guys surf so much. Like every morning we'd get there and it'd be dark. Those two were already in the water. 
And then as soon as the event was over, they'd be free surfing at the end. So those guys like... No Australians at that time of day, I guess. So they're just, (laughs) they're out there. It's pretty incredible. And all the Sally Fitz and uh, Carissa are always out there too in the morning. So it's interesting Australian managers step back at the uh, hotel getting a massage and (laughs) getting a nice breakfast. And Islo and Gabby have been out in the water for two hours already. Yeah. Come on, Australians. Well, it's easy to to get out there for a dawning when you drank so much Red Bull the day before (laughs) you didn't didn't go to sleep. But yeah, I noticed, mate. tweaking like, tweak, tweak, tweak. Mate, and you can see it the way Italo surfs holy shit he's moving so fast and he's just up down left right sideways in out like mate he's just and not all of it's working but too predictable i think even even ronnie and uh uh, richie were saying on the commentary they just think he's too predictable really i thought he was totally erratic well that's 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 predictable well just predictably erratic going for that same punt time after time after time maybe yeah I just liked it. Yeah, not really. I wasn't really looking at his actual moves. I was just yeah. looking at his energy. Just going, yeah, oh, man, this guy's bouncing around all over the place. It's pretty cool. But so yeah. yeah, come Mick. Um, oh. back to Rodo. I think yep. Tebow answered your question. Asked you a question earlier, a long time ago. But mate, did anyone climb the limestone cliffs of Rottnest and storm the tower? Is anyone pissed off? Um, yeah, not. The, yes, I know. Oh, yes, I, I, I know there's a couple of, uh, so as I mentioned to you guys last time, if people are unhappy with their, their heats, their results and all that, they can see the judge at the end of the day. I know one big talking point, there was an incredible air by um, Italo, um, where he basically, did he make it, did he not oh, yeah. make it? So Again, and the guys watched it a million times, and I don't know how he did this, but when he landed, you could see his back foot had actually come off, and then he was able to put it back on in the white water and, and stand up, and we, the guys watched it like 20, 30 times, and uh, it, was incredible. it was a really good pickup. They had to slow-mo and all that. So at the end of it, I know he came up and spoke to the guys just about it, and they were able to bring up the footage and say, okay, this is why your back foot's come off. Obviously, you know, they're talking about, you know, is it an incomplete mover or is it, yeah, it's not completely made and all this kind of stuff. So he was just questioning about it. He still got through the heat and all that kind of stuff, but he just wanted to question his score. Uh, and the other one, probably the biggest blow-up I saw was actually a coach where um, one of the uh, the beach commentary commentator, he announced the oh, uh, res- was it? result. Um, it was Jake, wasn't it? Well, he... he, he he uh, announced the situation, I should say, with about a minute to go, but he, he said the surfer's name twice. Um, so Owen Wright was a, sur- a heat against uh, Gabriel Medina, and he accidentally said, uh, Owen Wright, you're currently in the lead with this, this, and this. Owen Wright, you now need a this to get get through the heat. So he accidentally just said Owen's name twice. He should have said, Gabriel, uh, you're in yeah, the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I know um, Gabriel's coach uh, was absolutely fuming. He's Andy? Can come in and um, talk to uh, the WSL office about that. Come on, what's going on? Get it right, get it right. And then, obviously, understandable. And then, um, yeah, that, so that was that was, was that our mate Binzi, friend of the podcast. So, so it's just the beach commentator. We'll just say that. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> no, he's so nice, isn't he? He's barely giving us any. Binzi wouldn't do that. Well, he's, he's out of work now, Binzi. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to get so him. Maybe he's paying. <laughs> well, he's number five uh, podcast host. So I'd spoken to him already. He's coming back. So we got Mick and Binzi, full time yeah, cool. members. Happy days. Um, no, he's going to do it for free question. as well. It's kind of on the same similar. Like, so we talked about um, no comment. Obviously, the lead at the moment. So basically, at the moment, Gabriel Medina's eight thousand points in front. Yeah, you get ten thousand for a win, and in the ladies, Carissa Moore is exactly the same. She's about eight thousand points ahead of second place with Sally Fitz. Obviously, if this was a normal year, you pretty much they pretty much got the world title. That's right. Yeah, it's up. already done. Yeah. H- how do you guys feel? And this is a really big talking point, I guess, for everyone in the sport of surfing. How do you guys feel about the the surf off situation where now whoever's in fifth can actually win? Yeah, yeah. I hate We've it. Been on that. Shit. We've been over this Terrible. in previous podcasts. Manufactured excitement. Yeah. I don't like it at all. I don't know. I'm fifty fifty on it. 
because one like AFL grand final footy you can be the best all year but if you don't win on the day you don't win the premiership and that's always been like that so there's that element but then there's obviously yeah the element that you've just put together that mate someone could have been getting tens at cloud break Chopu killed it at J Bay, this that, and that, and then there's a shithead at Trestles. Yeah, yeah, and it's like two foot and onshore at Trestles, and they couldn't do an air spinner, and now you're not the world champ. So I don't like that part. So I'd probably be saying, "What about you, no. Bone?" Well, I mean, if you were like fourth or fifth going into Trestles, and if you won the world title, you'd probably get a big bonus, and you know, world champion, you'd be you'd be pretty stoked. But I wouldn't think this would be carrying into 2022. Tw- what are we going next year? 2022. Next year's yeah. 2022. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough. I mean, Gabby could win the next two events and lose. It's, it's, yeah, it's you're, almost like you're not rewarding the best surfer of the year, just rewarding the best surfer for that particular event at Trestles. Yeah. It's like um, they've done it to fit the weird COVID year or something. They're trying way, to replicate the that pipe final with the two best surfers, Gabby. Yeah. And, um, which is fine if it's that 10-foot pipe. But for yeah, me, exactly. that's why it was exciting because it doesn't happen every and year. And it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it it wasn't, wasn't scripted, really, was it? Like, you can't script this. This is a bit more predictable now. Oh, we with the um with the in the past, me you know, there's eleven events, whatever, and they take the nine best heat, nine best events, don't they? There's like two throwaways. Yeah, is that the case this year? I'm actually not fully sure. It's definitely no. a throwaway. I've heard them. T- I don't know how many. Well, it has to be one. Th- yeah, whether or not there's many. two. Yeah, I've definitely heard of them talking about throwaways. Because, I mean, yeah. that would certainly work in someone like Morgan's favour because he's had, you know, a final and a semi-final now and probably a couple of either 17th. So I don't think he's had a 33rd, but, yeah, he's got a Might couple of throwaways. Yeah, I don't know. So that could really work for yeah. Morg's, Morg's favour. Yeah. Um, on that topic of uh, Italo um, being the angriest um, stormer of the tower, uh, obviously he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because... He's doing a lot of these airs. Obviously, that, that one in, I can't remember which comp it was, that maybe New, uh, Narrabeen. Narrabeen was great. Hell air and it was that controversy uh, over whether he made it or not. Mate, there was a little bit of that going on. And I thought, actually, Morgan Siblick was quite lucky in the final to get granted a make on that three-turn banger because he sort of, you know, when you're looking at what Italo did at that air in Narrabeen, he... um. Yeah, he didn't really, he never really rode out of the whitewater, not cleanly. He sort of got ahead the tiniest bit and then the whitewater caught him up and I just thought the way that things have been going lately with really riding out of the whitewater clean and I noticed a lot of surfers were really making a point of really hanging on and and riding it to the extreme level and, um, mate, they gave him the make and gave him the eight or whatever right at the start of the final and I thought that was a little bit lucky. I mean... Obviously, I was uh, all for the idea. I'll be making it, but what about that one, Nick? It must have been pretty touch and go. Oh yeah, that that was completely reviewed, yep. out of control. Yeah, they they watched that from every different angle. Um, yep. Yeah, and I know um, that's what like I mentioned to you before. Like the guys write their scores down, they put it into the computer, then they watch the replay, and then they can adjust from there. And they actually adjusted. So some guys were actually higher. Yeah. And then when they saw that, I believe they came down. So yeah, it just gives yeah. you an idea. Just it, it was a super. It's. You know, it's a, it was a real grey area. He, yeah, and it's also, um, it's a tough one, you know, because that section, as you guys know, it's similar to the, the right-hander at um, Margaret's. You know, the guys are doing the best they can. It's such a tough tough call because, you know, at the end of the day, they're literally dry docking onto mm. uh, 
thing. But that was, that was one I know they reviewed for three or four minutes. They were going yeah, over it. And as I mentioned, yeah. people adjusted to um He was fighting that. it as long as he could yeah. and holding on, but the whitewater was just playing games. He almost they? got pushed into a different section of reef. He was holding on for yeah, so long. Yeah, he did. It was like, by the time, it, he, it's like he was over the shallow bit now <laughs> to the channel somewhere. <laughs> it's, um, he was fighting it. But yeah, I noticed a lot of surfers were really making a point of riding out of that whitewater this comp. After yeah, after Italo's one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, now, do we have to wrap things up or can we keep uh, going for a bit? Well, hold on. What about, mate, did Sage Ericsson have a crash on the bike? And, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I want details and then, mate, because like someone always crashes their bike in Rotto. It's pretty standard. Um, yeah. Was there any other mishaps like that that went down, mate, of, uh, you know, bike-related incidents or just Rotto action that that might have got the better of someone that's the only one i actually know about yeah so uh i know she had that yeah poor yeah unfortunately she had it the night before a heat and then um, they had to get stitches and apparently she destroyed destroyed a fine yeah so she had stitches put in underneath her her chin uh had to do that so i know she was really emotional after a heat um and she unfortunately lost the heat obviously next morning she'd been through a a fair bit but yeah she's the uh the only one i know of having a bike was it uh, the classic um board over the shoulder, nose into the front spokes manoeuvre or was it um, the Rotto arms riding home <laughs> at 11 o'clock and smashing into a quokka trick, which is equally um, as regular? They're pretty big <laughs> speed bumps, aren't they, the quokkas? <laughs> yeah, it, it is hazardous. I know every um, if I did get to surf after it, I'd surf as lo- long as I could and I was riding home in the dark with my mobile phone just lighting up the track and I was actually petrified I was going to run over a uh, quokka. Yeah. <laughs> they just seemed to pop up everywhere. There's some big ones too. So uh, You could have been responsible for the WSL never being allowed back on the island. <laughs> you know, there's footage of, uh, of one of the judges just massacring a local protected wildlife with his bike. So... Is Rotto a one-off, Mick? Will they have another CT there, do you think? Uh, it was down as a search event, so obviously Rip Curl. Okay, of course. Yeah, they did it like that, but I know um, it would be absolutely epic to do it. And I know um, leaving it, I was really fortunate when I left, I was on the same boat as a couple of those guys from Rip Curl in management there, and they were just ecstatic. They were so stoked with how it all unfolded, Rothen. everything, and they were really, really stoked um, with Surfing West Australia, how they got everything organised, all the setup. Um, Absolutely everything. So I know if it's if it's got comes down to Ripco, they'd be pretty pretty keen to sponsor another event. So fingers crossed it does because it was such a good event. According yeah. to Lenny Collard, mate, he doesn't want him back. Did you were you watching it when he was he was in the actual uh, the booth with uh, Joey Chappelle? Oh yeah, no, yeah. I didn't see this. I saw no. that. This is all news. And he to actually me. said it's a uh, yeah. He doesn't want him back. It's a one off thing. And uh, <laughs> thanks yeah, for right. coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said money, he's, but we're he's retiring. saying something. Um, and do I want, do I want it to come back? Probably not. Mate, so what about the accommodation, Mick? I noticed you posted a photo that looked like you're over in Geordie Bay or something. Is that yeah? Did they uh, was that a conscious thing to put the judges on the most furthest outpost of accommodation to keep you away from the surfers, or who was who was staying in the new hotel? Well, Geordie's kind of closer, isn't it? What's that? Geordie's kind of closer to Stricko's. Mm. Well, you got to backtrack into the settlement, don't you? Yeah. No, you don't backtrack. You just go along the. Road down yeah, it's definitely stuff. further away than from the pub. I know that much. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's um yeah. So all the um all the competitors they hide out. I hadn't been to Rotto for about four years, so it was epic to see. It's it's you know they've done a really good job of. Uh, but the new pub behind it, there's a bar or oh, uh, accommodation there. Yeah, I think it's called this horrible looking thing. Spit, they, um, Spitfire or something. Something like that. But all the that's where all the competitors stayed. So oh, yeah. all the competitors and high level um, like WCL staff. 
hotel stayed there. Oh, I heard Wade Carmichael stayed at ten, at the um, eco tent. Tentland. Oh, I think <laughs> it cost him like six grand for the time yeah, he was there. I think I heard Owen Wright talking about how him and his family were in a tent. So that must have been the 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 new glamping oh, yeah. fancy yeah, tents. Yeah. Yeah, on the old nudist beach, pinkies, yeah, where pinkies. Uh, yeah. all of us uh, had a little bit of prepubescent at nighttime activity back in the day. S- what was it, spotlight or searchlight? Or yeah, yeah, yeah spotlight. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was an exciting place as a fourteen-year-old, old pinkies. But uh, yeah, so but it was to, mixed <laughs> to answer your question, Adam, all the competitors <laughs> were staying at that majority of them, and then uh, all the the judge nights stayed at what used to be called the uh, lodge, and I think now it's called the Karma or something. So they yeah, stayed yeah. there. And then all the work crew like myself and all that, we all stayed at Geordie Bay, which was actually um I never st- I don't know about you guys, I've never stayed there and it's beautiful. Like, Geordie, so yeah, yeah, Geordie Bay's awesome. Nice. Everywhere's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That was really cool. Except yeah. for the new hotel. Absolutely like full of stingers in summer, Geordie Bay. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> I was over there this year in January and it mate, it was absolutely thick. Yeah, right. That um, was the day I, I rode all my, all the way over to Stricos and it was about forty two degrees and it was one foot nonshore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even go out. It was so bad. And <laughs> mate, so so all the standard accommodation that we all grew up staying in the the sort of mud brick houses overlooking thompson bay and that i guess no one was staying in them because they're usually booked out for like a year in advance so is that fair to say no one was sort of staying in those standard ones there i had no idea about this guys but roddo apparently is booked out for the next two years yeah and yep. if you want to if you wanted to get a an accommodation there you've got to pay two years in you've got to pay in full two years in advance so it gives you an idea of how uh yeah, how much there's an interest in, in that island, the people yeah, staying there. Yeah, well, it's the there. COVID factor. Yeah. 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 That's what Same. people have been asking me. Do you reckon Rotto's going to get more crowded because of the event? And I said, well, potentially, but good luck getting a, a spot well, to yeah. stay over there in the next exactly. two years because you can't. No, you can't. Unless you've got a boat, which obviously a lot of people do. But if you're travelling from interstate, you're not going to have a boat. Well, most oh, people, no. most won't have yeah. a boat at their access. So Yeah, and even if you've got a boat, you you know, unless you're... A boring, big, yeah, and you got to be able to sleep on the boat if you want to stay yeah, for any period of time. Exactly, yeah. So probably won't see a yeah. huge crowd impact over there. We, especially now with Victoria going into hard lockdown. Mm. Yeah. And just and I guess one one uh, thing we've written is that might be a negative. I can imagine the cost. I know they had to drive a lot of all the jet skis and all that over crossing a barge mm. and things like that. So I can imagine the expense of actually putting it, putting it up would be absolutely huge and. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess that's something that would definitely not uh, not go in its favour about running in the future. Hey, uh, boys, just um, just changing the changing the news. Um, I see uh, Claire Bevelacqua. She's been on the Barrel Surf podcast. She's over in El Salvador at the moment. They've got the ISA Olympic qualifying um, event at the moment. So the waves look fun too, don't they? They look fun, and I think she described it in a post a, a combination of yelling up and sunset and something Ooh, else. That so nice. Uh, Hi, my name is Jeremy Flores, and you're listening to Barreled Surf Podcast. So talking about uh, priority, Mick. Yeah, so... Uh, priority judge. Yeah, so one thing we busy. kind of was going over with uh, basically the priority judge, how busy he is now with these overlapping heat situations. I just kind of mentioned that... Uh, when he, when he does his job, he's obviously busy there, but he also has a notepad on him. And basically what he'll do is if there's a situation where there's a close call and he gives priority to one surfer over another, he'll actually write down in his notepad the heat and the individuals involved and why he did that particular decision. And uh, it was a really interesting one. Uh, a couple of years ago in Margaret's, I walked from the basically the judging tent back to the car with him. And um, on his way back, he was actually being questioned by competitors and also their coaches about why a certain decision went and he was able to open up his book and say yep i made a decision by this so it gives you an idea how thorough he is and yep. how intense it is but for him like when priorities 
priority's going in those overlapping heats, he's basically doing priority over two heats. In yeah, that'd be, that must be tough. Off. I mean, especially yeah. you see, you know, the, like when you have the paddle battles. I mean, who's uh, who's the most fierce paddle battler on the CT, man? Oh, they, they all paddle so well. But yeah, obviously the uh, the frothers you're talking about, like um, Italo and obviously Gabriel, obviously the number one and two, that they, they can cover some ground, those guys. And um, one, one question I did co- get asked, which I'd love to talk about if it's all cool, was um, with priority, so... If, um, when they come to the area, who gets priority over the other? Um, because a lot of questions like if someone will say two people split the peak and they come back into the priority area at the same time, who will get it? And it always goes to the person that previously had the lowest priority. He'll get the, he or she will get the highest in the next year. Yeah, nice. Close. So long story short, generally who catches the, the previous wave before they do the battle or who caught the last wave, they'll have the lowest priority mm. because they held a higher seed leading into that exchange it's almost like you're um when you have a draw on scores and you go to the countback score sort of thing if it's a draw on the priority paddle it goes yeah to the to the guy that uh yeah on the countback basically absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know what i'm saying absolutely yeah and and one other thing sorry i forgot to mention this and i should have mentioned it when we caught up last week was um one unique thing that happens in big wave events here in Western Australia, places like Margaret River, Yelling Up, these kind of places, priority can actually be suspended if a surfer's caught inside and gets washed in. So, uh, and we saw this at Margaret's on the big day. So, if someone basically gets caught inside, they get washed in. Say if they're in hypothetically second priority, mm. they'll get their priority suspended. So, you look at the priority thing, their priority's been taken off. But as soon as they return to the lineup, they'll get their priority back. Um, an interesting thing about that is two points is one, if they use jet ski, they lose priority, right. so they can't have jet ski assist. Oh um, shit! Unless yeah. it's um, unless it's for safety. So I know a few years ago there was bells and bells was massive, and a jet ski guy would come and try and save someone, and they were basically pushing him off because they didn't want to lose priority. <laughs> there might have been Italy. So yeah, that was a situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically now they said, look, if they need to rescue someone, they're not going to um take priority off it. But if it's basically situation where they get washed in, as soon as they paddle back out, they'll regain their priority. Um. And, but they don't move up. So if you're in, say, if you're hypothetically in second priority and uh, the guy that was in third gets back to line up before you and he goes into first priority, when you come back, you'll still be in second. You'll be ahead of him. Yeah. I didn't really think too much about I mean, I know priority is super important, but it sounds like the priority judge has uh, got a pretty high-stress uh, job, mate. I mean, it sounds like he probably would need a bunker to sit in when he's doing his priority work. Yeah, no, like I was saying, he, he's... He's awesome. So Ratso, is that Ratso? yeah, yeah. So Ian Buchanan, he was a, he prior to uh, he's a Kiwi, but he lived in Sydney a lot, and he was an aspiring professional surfer. Did really well. Um, so he's an incredible good surfer. And as I mentioned on last podcast, he's won a world world title in the Masters game. So he surfs really well. So the guys really respect him. But yeah, he's so professional about what he does, and he um, like I was saying, he writes down any close situation. He watches every single single heat and um yeah he's, he's awesome at his job he's really passionate about it and, and priority is the difference between winning and losing heats when you watch this how, definitely how intense it is he sits there he's got a microphone as well so if there's a an exchange where basically someone's paddled they miss and there's a way behind it he can get on the microphone and say priority switch red or black or whatever color it is you now have priority so it's instant so he's onto it straight away yeah right unless you gave you medina then it just doesn't really matter yeah priority or not just seems to win them all without priority and then low as well yeah yeah and then if you do give him priority he gets the biggest wave and does it anyway so yeah yeah what's the um <laughs> any idea what the pay's like for judges uh, yep, yep. Um, I don't know if it's changed, but it's as I mentioned the last one. I probably shouldn't need to close 
Well, no, but I know they get paid in US dollars, so you can add a quote. They get paid by, paid by the event, are they on full time? Yeah, my, my understanding is they get a set rate per event. So regardless if the event goes for like Rotnest went for nine days, or if Rotnest was to finish over four or five days, it's the same rate as my understanding. Would we say up upwards from five thousand for an event? Um, I yeah, I'm not. Oh, I don't know if what it is now. I haven't asked the guys. Yeah. But I know you'd probably be looking similar to that thing. I know. It's a, it's a real stressful job and I know, I know they're not hugely paid um, in comparison to what they have to deal with and the, what they have to deal with as far yep. as... And you'll notice, guys, that the head judge, you'll never, you'll never see an interview with him. Um, one of the guys mentioned last, last uh, podcast that one of the assistants, a Brazilian guy, he'll head judge the women's. Um, I don't know if you guys can remember a few years ago, there was a heat uh, in Portugal. Uh, Julian Wilson won his first ever... Against CT's Gabby. Get Gabby, super close heat. I believe uh, that's where Gabrielle Medina cried. Wee. Well, that um, I remember that. Wee. Just give you guys an idea how intense some situations are. I know him. He's a Brazilian judge, and so obviously Brazilian surfer lost. He was getting death threats from people he knew. From so well, people he knew. From people he knew. So it gives, <laughs> gives that's you. Right. Hey, and you want to go out for a beer, mate? Yeah, yeah but I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> so, so that's why you don't you don't see oh, the head judge um, do interviews, those kind of things. What he will do, and this is a situation we talked about before with Italo not making a, a wave where his leg came off. In the judging tower next to the replay monitor, there's a microphone, and he can talk to the microphone, which goes straight to broadcast. So he can inform the commentators to inform the general public on the broadcast that the judges have deemed it a make or a non-make. So he communicates with the broadcast ah. team. But he doesn't... He Yeah, he's not the kind of guy that will do interviews, understandably, because when you hear about these kind of things with death threats and all this kind of stuff, people are passionate about this kind of stuff. Yeah, they don't... It's a, a stressful job. They don't want to have a target on their back, understandably. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't... I certainly wouldn't want to be advertising myself if I was a judge. Um, you said that you had some questions for us earlier. I did, yeah. Is there off asked you guys a couple of questions? I'm sure your listeners would love to hear from you guys about a few things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've got one edit I want to talk about as well. Yeah, okay. My mum my knows most, most things about me, so yeah. yeah. Cool. Anyway. Can no, I ask on. you guys, it's a double question, um, the best surf trip you guys have ever had? And when the world returns, hopefully, to normal and we're able to travel and all that, where, where's your first, your hit spot? Where do you want to go and, and have a surf trip? So your best surf spot and where you want to go to when this opens up. Um, yeah, my, my, best, my best trip was a Indo trip in probably the mid-90s, I reckon. Um, spent some time on Lombok and also on uh, Sambara. Spent, I think, two weeks at Lakey's and got some... It was off season and, and um, there was hardly anyone there, and we got some f- really sick days at Lakey's. Um, to this day, probably some of the best barrels I've ever had. Um, so that would be my best trip. And um, when COVID, do you mean when the international borders open up? Yeah. So if you're able to go to anywhere in the world um, and surf anywhere you go, where where would the place you'd want to go um, to? Yeah, what Kelly's wave pool would be. Nah, um, probably Indo, just <laughs> straight to Indo. Yeah, you can't beat it. Whereabouts in Indo? I, I, to this day, I haven't done a boat trip. I'd love to do a boat trip in the Mints. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be sick. Cool. I think I'm the only, only surfer in WA that hasn't done a boat trip. T-Bone. <laughs> 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 yeah. awesome. Freaking hard, Mick, because over the years, there's been so many great trips, you know, from teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, but, I mean, Nami mentioned boat trip and I... Did an insane boat trip on the Huey, so shout out to Suli. Uh, it was, I think it was, 
everything lined up perfectly. You know, when, you, when you're planning a surf trip and you're looking at the, the surf forecast, you know, 10 days out, seven days out. And we sort of had the swell of the season coming, arriving. It was the roughest trip over across the, the strait. <laughs> Um, didn't remember anything because I was yeah blind drunk and passed out. Luckily, didn't go over the side. But it was a 40th trip. A uh, few boys live around here. Um, Toddy Taylor was one of them actually, and, and there's a few others. Um, we had the best waves, pumping swell. You know, we went to all the jewels. You know, HTs, Maccas, just all the insane waves um, in the Mentawis, mate. So that that goes up there. That, that's definitely one up there. And, um, yeah, it's pretty easy to say Indo, but uh, I'm hanging to go back to Europe, mate. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, hanging to go back to Europe. Drink some wine. Eat some tapas. <laughs> mate, my best trip, hands down, is Mexico. Uh, Mexico. Yeah, I had a run there of this unnamed right-hander. Uh, it was about four to 600 metres long. Uh, it was isolated, uncrowded, ridiculously consistent, and I broke every barrel record I've ever had, like deepest barrel, longest barrel, most amount of barrels in a session. Just it was insane. It was it was like six people out, and it was four to six foot, and just barreling all the way down this bank, and Epic. mate, you you wouldn't even see the other guys because the waves were so long, and and it just seemed to be really really consistent for i was there for about a month and uh yeah it was insane i i came back and i could hardly surf uh the waves around here just my motivation to surf was <laughs> so lame people were, like frothing mm. going oh there's a bank down at so-and-so and you drive down there you're like oh man it's like 20 meters long not man. really like, yeah that was insane uh warm water it was eight foot a lot too you know um I didn't really get any barreling eight foot days, but uh, even with a light onshore, it's just eight foot and these things are sweeping down this point and super isolated. Yeah, easily the best surf I've ever had in my life. I felt like my whole life had, surfing life had built towards that one particular session where, yeah, I got like a eight or 10 second barrel and normally I get a two second barrel at best, you know? So yeah, that was pretty insane. And mate, if I could go anywhere right now, geez, there's a lot of places I would like to go. I'd probably just go back there, but I, I, I'm greedy, man. I want to go back to J-Bay. I want to go to Portugal. I want to go to these islands off Portugal that Rusty and Greg Long have got a house at. I'd love to go there. It's got lots of right-handers. Um, mate, I'd love to go to the Solomon Islands and the Maldives and Philippines. Oh, and Indo. I'd love to go to the Maldives and too. <laughs> Maldives sound like a sick trip. Oh, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd love to go there. And yeah, man, I want to go back to Morocco because I went there and I... I um, didn't get it as good as I could get it. And yeah, mate, geez, I've, I've got some traveling to do, but not sure how I'm going to jam it all in with a young family, but uh, we can only hope and dream. What about you, Mickey? Where are you going when the borders open? Um, I'm very similar to you. I haven't been to Mexico, and that's some, those uh, right-hand point breaks look incredible. So I'd love to see, uh, experience them, that's for sure. And um, yeah, so that be, and yeah, I've never been to J Bay as well. So they so I'm kind of similar to you in those wow, things. That's impressive yeah. for a goofy footer, Mickey, yeah. just to throw two right handers out there. Yeah, <laughs> there is a lovely left hander at Porto Escondido actually Lee. called La Punta, oh, and it's go. uh yeah, you got all the big deadly beach breaks right in the middle, which are just horrifying, like mostly close out, super heavy. I surfed it at about eight foot one day, and mate, I was nowhere. I'm I'm no good in shifty beach breaks, and it's the biggest 
heaviest shifty beach break in the world outside of Nazare, I guess. Um, but, mate, down in the corner is this all-time left-hander that just gets fobbed off as the girls' wave or the learners' wave or whatever. On the, on the south side of the beach? On the south side of the beach. And, mate, it's sand-dependent, but it can break for three, 400 metres. And as it gets... And, I mean, obviously on different sand, it does different things. It can tube. It can hold, like, 10 foot. And then as it comes towards the beach, the final run towards the beach, it's just tubing, funnelling down the line. It's like, mate, you could easily travel all the way there just for that wave, but yeah. it just gets sick. gets no coverage. It's just yep. like, ah, it's just a B grade, but, mate, it's a sick wave in yeah. itself. So there's lefts yeah. there too, Mickey. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I think it was 2006 they had that wave, um, that contest there, yeah. one of the Rip Curl Search ones. It's probably one of the best events ever. And I remember ever since then um, been frothing out to... To go and see that, and yeah, obviously you can't beat Indo as well as you guys yeah. talked about the boat trips and all. They're all they're all sand though. Like I was there, I think a couple of years after that, and I went to Barra where they had the comp, and it was really really good, but the one I was at was way better, because it just mate the sand they shift on, on any given year. One point is better than the other points, you know. So yeah, and there, there's a lot down near that area. There's maybe 20 within yeah. a couple of within like maybe 150 k's like 20 to 20 to 25 25 to 30 maybe of like full-on right hand point breaks that go for hundreds of meters it's no less insane not in that area i mean there probably is but not of not that sweeping that point break variety yeah. yeah so yeah pretty epic yeah. i'd like to go back there for sure all right well let's yep. um let's move on to the clive palmer cup we ready, boys? Yep. What about the edits? Uh, all right. Yep. Just a quick one. Just a quick edit. All right. Uh, mate, Dion Agius Dark. Oh, yeah. How have you said Dark Hollows. Have you seen it? Oh, my God. Have yeah. you guys seen that? <laughs> Jeez, I had some I've heard about quality it. I LSD it flashbacks <laughs> watching it. <laughs> <laughs> mate, uh, it started out fairly normal. And, uh, mate, he's going... Like, I think a lot of it's down in Tassie, which I liked just seeing different waves and different lineups not that they were crazy spectacular it was a big like airbrush slabby peak super short but he was getting some hell pits didn't look like it was anyone out and it was just nice to see something different instead of your standard you know surf video of um of like the mentawis or, or something like that or yep. the waves that you know good variety there craig ando was making a few little guest appearances and they're all doing some pretty fancy little stuff on a left-hander um, there was a really good punchy little section of um, D on it, maybe a break wall in northern New South Wales, backhand attack, like really vicious backhand surfing to yep. in excess, which was pretty cool. Um, but, mate, the overwhelming uh, feeling of it all, it, it's very psychedelic. There's constant flashings and, like, uh, Technicolor surfboards mate it's basically like watching a pink floyd clip from the 80s with good <laughs> surfing in it like and that's pretty pretty extreme um yeah definitely there's definitely some quality tasmanian mushrooms getting consumed in the editing of of that one which is fine i got no problems with that um there was a, a big deforestation statement in it as well yeah um which i sort of blended in there oh, uh, i'm sure there was these hipsters yeah, yeah mate but uh obviously like anywhere mate uh you know, we've got old growth forest still getting yeah. bloody cut down in Pemby in, in the in South Trees provide oxygen, people. I'm sure Tassie's got some mental old growth forest yeah. that they're probably still cutting down. So that definitely sucks. Surely they can just 
come up with something. Recycle. Yeah. Upcycle. Go see North Native Hardwoods and buy his trees that he's, you know, he's farming responsibly instead of just going and cutting down a 500-year-old bloody carry tree. So yep. that was cool. We'll have a bit of a token shippy section at the end. Um, you know, a couple of tubes at the end, a couple of huge airs. Uh, but overall, it, it really lacked in the quality tube department for me. A bit too many turns for me. But Out uh, of 10? Out of 10, I'd say six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was okay. I liked the variety and the difference. Um, and they had some really crazy... Um, they had some really crazy night... I think it was nighttime footage where they must have had a guy with a big spotlight and a, something like backlighting. It was some really trippy images coming through. Um, I'm assuming it was nighttime footage. It was... Um, yeah, and that was actually really cool and they just kept sprinkling like super slow-mo of that it was it was really cool have you guys seen it anyone seen it or no i haven't seen no. it that's definitely i don't watch it tonight yeah yeah, yeah cool sure. yeah it's pretty 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 bizarre and uh yeah so pretty good but i like the variety and then just quickly the um tim benithan swell chasers they had a pretty big east coast swell yeah um cape salander ours whatever you want to call it and um yeah it was pretty hectic and I think it had one day where it was a bit onshore and it was just huge and crew. It's a mental spot, isn't it? Oh, mate, they were just pulling in. No one was making it. And you're just like, how are more people not getting hurt? They're yeah. Like, it's bizarre. Um, and then the second day was cleaner, smaller, but still like pretty yeah, yeah. sick, deadly tubes, like six foot. Um, I noticed there was about, I counted about 15 water photographers all bobbing down at the end. I thought, wow, that's a... A lot of photogs. You like, get some crazy, crazy water shots, I guess. Yeah, you do, but um, geez, like, where are you making your money on all this? Obviously, it's just a hobby and a passion, and everyone's doing. But it was just as crowded at the end as it was out on the peak. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, it's good to see the new generation of like young owls chargers. You know, there was no Kobe or Mark Matthew. All these guys are obviously done with it and um kip caddy and russell bjorky and kip caddy's an absolute maniac isn't yeah he? he seems to be pretty um proficient down he was there the guy, he was the guy that crashed his jet ski huh i was about to say there was that infamous jet ski yeah. incident that no doubt everyone saw surely you saw that didn't you mick the jet ski just absolutely beyond dry docked yeah yeah up on the, it's up on the rocks yeah, yeah. And, he, and he just clambers up gets on it starts it up and scoots across a puddle of water before just <laughs> having to dive off and jump oh, jump mate, under the way drops out and yeah that was uh that was pretty hectic so seeing a bit more footage about that that was that was at Salander, wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah same yeah. day it was yeah, a bit okay. of a highlight yeah and uh yeah tim benithan a uh, friend of the podcast a couple of weeks back so friend of the podcast he's, he's yeah on the job yeah so yeah there are a couple of edits that really stood out for me in the last couple of weeks yeah nice i'm um yeah i'm gonna probably sprinkle some magic dust on the pizza later on and watch the uh <laughs> it definitely need to watch the uh dion aggies even flick. if you don't it'll 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 bring something back it'll, yeah it'll wow. be like a full flashback there's a lot of flashing in there yeah bright lights yeah if you if you're um unfortunate enough to um suffer from epileptic seizures don't watch it do not watch yeah. it yeah needs one of those light warnings that they give rightio here we go so it's been a big few weeks in the surfing world and uh, I'd like to hear your nominations for the Clive Palmer Cup. Mick? Um, has anyone on this podcast ever given the Clive Palmer Award to Clive Palmer? Because that's my thing for today. <laughs> yep, we have. People. We have, yeah. Because <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm, I'm a positive person, as you know. I don't like saying nasty things about anyone. But, um, yeah, I kind of looked in it the other day. I was actually sitting, it was the late day at Rottnest. It was Monday. It was pissing down with rain and we were stuck in the 
Geordie Bay and I uh, was kind of watching it and he came up on the news flash and he's with that Israel Folau, the rugby player. Yeah. And anyway, so, you know, it's a whole different thing. As you so know. I suppose he's supporting Israel, is he? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Wow. And I was going, and I, I remember um, my wife said to me, you've got to be careful when mining magnets or rich people are trying to get into politics because generally they just try and bend it, bend everything for their own profit and gain. And that's kind of when I looked into it, it's, um, you've Donald got a guy. You got a guy here that's worth what nine point one million was a uh, billion, sorry, um, and basically it just comes across that he's everything he wants to produce is for himself. And I kind of found out, looked into it, and he's the uh, that football club. It's the Southport Tigers or something that he's trying to get his ruffle out to. Um, he's basically um, when you look at it, he's basically one of the uh, main sponsors of the thing. So when they do that press conference, his company was. Uh, broadcasted all over the back wall and he's also one of the patrons of the club so it kind of just came across to me that he was trying to just you know he's trying to sue the wa government and he's uh, you know basically to get money for himself to profit and also he's threatening to sue the queensland rugby league if <laughs> his, he is. <laughs> if his ruffle doesn't play for his club so my clive palmer goes to clive palmer how's that Good on you, mate. do you know what clive you got nine billion dollars just build some houses for homeless people or something mate and just you know um as he's busy on his phone t-bone um, yeah, th- I think we've spoken about this one before. I mean, I've I've read it on the, on the grit a couple of times, and and, and the Wazzle did it again, um, where they make this comment. You know, when you go to the live broadcast, they'll make a comment and go like, in particular, Rip Curl Rottenest Search Finals Day was six to ten feet. Do you guys see that? You think fuck six to ten feet, and then you and then you obviously go onto the webcast, and it's nowhere near six to ten feet. How big was it live, Mick? Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Finals um, day. Yeah. How big was it finals day? Uh, finals day, there's some solid waves in the final day. Yeah, it, it was actually going off. And the, that afternoon just got better. I can tell you from personal experience, it got better and better <laughs> as the afternoon got on. But I um, know there's some solid ones. There's easily... Ten four. foot? Oh, no, no. Six no, foot? No, you'd be calling four to maybe six. Yeah. yeah so, Mike Clive Palmer is the, the guy who uh, makes those forecasts, you know, because Face, when you clearly faces, go on the mate. webcast... Faces. It's not six to ten foot. Yeah. It just like wants you to log on quick. Fuck, it's pumping. I was reading an article about it. Mm. I think it was on Stab only like yesterday or the day before about the whole sizing and the mm. calling of sizing and just how messed up it is really. Yeah, like, it's pretty different, I guess. You know, you had country to country. Claiming five foot on that big day at Margie's. When it, mate, look, we all know Hawaiians are heroes, but it was no way that was five. Five foot. foot. Five foot was the call when Medina was calling the biggest wave he's ever seen in a comp and stuff. So... And it was and it was going into the history of it all as well, actually, um, right back to when they first uh, saw surfers and that in Hawaii, and 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 the, what was they saying? They were referencing the, how the Billabong big wave on competition, you know, when it started, the, the you know that where you submit your entries, bit the XX XXL yeah, yeah, awards yeah. and all that, yeah. and they're saying that how that almost for a brief period normalised the sizing of waves because they were all judged on the face of the wave. So it was yep. measured and there was no... And so they're like, oh, so maybe this is the way to judge it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it only lasted for a couple of years and we've gone back to just sort of calling whatever, wow, really. That's absolutely uh, pelting down. Lucky we're not in the shed quarters. <laughs> would have yeah, been noisy right now. wouldn't be able to record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that it, they feel like it almost got to that stage where, yeah, because, because when you're talking to a non-surfer and you tell them, oh, yeah, we're six to eight foot, they got no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they, whereas if you're, if you're talking to a non-surfer, you actually never talk about the back of the wave, do you? 
Like if you're trying to, face, you usually just point size. to something like, oh yeah, see that roof there or something. But because realistically, when you are paddling and laying down and trying to scratch under one, mate, you're looking at the face of the wave, aren't you? You are. And, yep. and that's how big it is. So, and like they also said in this article, the code red swell at Chopu or whatever a few years ago, if you're measuring it Hawaiian style by the back, they're going, well, it was three foot. Three foot. Because it's got no back. You know, so yeah, yeah. how does that factor in? Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a bit messed up. It's, it is a bit messed up. But anyway, I'll continue to call me four footers, me four footers when they've got a 10 foot face. Was your Clive the same as my Clive then? Or? Nah, nah, no, my Clive was you. You were just out of earshot. Uh. Um, nah, it wasn't <laughs> T-Bone. No, you did, sorry, mate. That was a bit rough. No, um, mate, my Clive Palmer is, I don't know much about it, but uh, I think it's on the back of the Dion Agius. Uh, thingy there mate anyone who's cutting down old growth in the southwest of western oh. australia like i don't know mate i'm not a big activist i don't know who it is but whoever they are they can fuck off so so was was is dion actually doing something about it or he's just thank just, you just promoting that he's uh look, got some look, good values i didn't look him up but uh he's well, got us talking about it hasn't it yeah that's yeah. it so there you go that's what he's done he's he just it was just raising strong, awareness strong imagery that was obviously looked shit house which once would have been a really nice forest and Mate, I'm aware we all need wood and build houses, this and that, but surely there's a sustainable way to do it that, you know, you don't have to cut down yep. these. Like I saw a photo. My sister's a bit of a greenie, actually, so she posts a lot of stuff. And I, I saw, um, you know, something only probably two weeks ago of them just cut down one of these trees that's like somewhere in the three to 600-year-old age mark. And you're just like, surely you don't need to cut down that one. Surely there's yeah. something else that you can make some timber out of to build yeah, a house you know like yeah that's weird isn't it seems it? strange not on to me so yeah fuck them right yeah yeah um you, i've got a special mention and this has been talked about a little bit on the broadcast i keep missing the starts of the hates um it's yeah got me perplexed why they do it but anyway oh yeah, that was um the boys on the lip podcast uh K- cahill talking about yeah that, I, they were talking about it on uh, that swell as well um yesterday with their tribute to Jack McCauley episode. But my Clive Palmer this week goes to my uh fantasy team. Oh no. The wheels have fallen off, boys. Oh, the wheels our, have fallen off. Our fearless leader. Are we still gonna have respect for him, T Bone? Or no, uh, is it gonna what's it gonna I'm do? Just gonna to have a quick look now actually <laughs> at um I think I'm about five thousandth in the world. Oh no, what a fall so, grace. Over the scheme of things it's not too bad, but well, it's Well maybe though when it comes to the uh surf off, maybe fantasy can have a winner takes all and yeah. you can just come back from nowhere. I probably should it. mention while we are talking about this, the um the winner of the Moat River uh, sorry, the rot the Rotnest uh Event for Barrel Surf Podcast is oh, yeah. drum roll. Oh, mate. Uh, I can what, tell what you. Looking that up. Tennis tour. Tennis, tennis tour. <laughs> Good Whoever enough. the fuck's yeah. tennis tour, get get in contact, and you're within 10k radius of Namu's place. You, you get f- a four pack of you beer. Flick your four pack. <laughs> <laughs> tennis tour. Cool. So well, I wonder Martinez. if it's Bobby himself. Maybe Bobby <laughs> Martinez reference. Mate, did you like ever, did you ever have to deal with Bobby Martinez, Mickey player? Uh, no, I haven't. No, but he's. Uh, I remember when he when he did come off the tour, he yeah, it was famous, wasn't it? When he uh, made his comments about that, so uh, I don't want to yeah. be a part of this yeah. fucking don't want to be tennis tour. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's still talked about to this day, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. It was in a New no, York a event one. Yep. years ago. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just a quick one. I'm currently ranked 40th in mm. my own league. Like um, for the first time ever, I actually changed my team at the right time because I think the event went went on hold right at that 
crucial time at Rottnest where instead of like just rolling straight into the next round where if you, mate, you've basically got to be watching it and then they roll it and then quickly get, get that opportunity to change before they roll into the next round and you can't change, which just is yeah, hard to do. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. you got an you know, in the office and, and you've got it running on the side all the time. But yeah, uh, mate, I'm not even working and I still found it hard to find <laughs> time to, to do that. But this time was perfect. They gave you about a day or so. So I got to sit down and yeah. see who was still in it and, um, yeah, make a few changes. I don't think it helped me anyway. No, but, um, it didn't, mate. Oh, I, I, I had to was my double, double whammy <laughs> and he obviously got knocked out pretty early. Probably. So fuck yeah. you, Philippe Toledo. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to rip in those waves. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, um, 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 Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yes, here we go. Mickey Plough, Mr. Nice. Yeah, Mr. Nice. I've got some beauties, You've got guys, 11 so, uh, shout-outs you want to no, give. I've got a few you? here, guys. So uh, my Steve Irwin, uh, the month of May has been incredible for waves and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and having yeah. two events here month. in WA has been awesome. So month of May the is month a good May. month. And yeah. uh, just a uh, big shout-out and Steve Irwin salute to all the competitors, Surfing WA, WSL, Jeskey, Security, Caterers, WA Tourism and Government uh, and Fisheries also that were involved and obviously Rip Curl sponsoring the event. So our Fisheries guys were awesome. They I didn't mention this, but there was two guys from the Fisheries Department in the judging tower and they basically watched the screen from a drone and they were basically monitoring sharks throughout the right. whole event. And we had one or two, didn't we? We had heaps, yeah. So oh, you had heaps? They, there was heaps. Like even, um, I think there was two during the event and there was one afterwards so at the I end of the event. I thought there was only one. They only... They only stopped for one, yeah, didn't they? Um, heat. And there was another one as well. And I <laughs> know bugger. one afternoon, the guys went out for free surfing and all of a sudden you see Micro and Tyler Wright just make a beeline uh, to come in and uh, the jet ski ride uh, basically drove into the Big ones, mate, or just tigers, little? Yeah, there's bronze and tigers from what I heard. Yeah, but, um, no big whites. These guys, no. But um, these guys, they call it a, a code orange. I forgot to mention this earlier, but basically... I thought it was code brown. Code brown. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, we uh, couldn't get to that one quick enough, could we, Namu? <laughs> it's a, they call it a code orange. So basically, if the jet ski drivers or the fisheries see a shark, they basically monitor straight through the head judge, and they he basically, from there, he sees it. Um, and they call a code orange. And when a code orange happens, guys, they hold the event for 15 minutes. So they'll bring the servers in immediately. And over that 15 minutes, minutes, they monitor the conditions. And that's something that's new that's come in. Get the shotguns out and that's shoot the bugger. Um, surely send Ant-Man over the side with a gidgey. And obviously, <laughs> if there's a, obviously it's clear, they'll put them back out. But they reckon um, that was one, I guess, positive that did come out of it. That, you know, certain places they go to, like J-Bay and all that, it's quite had it hazardous for sharks and all that. So yeah. was, they actually had the opportunity at Rottnest to do these code just, oranges. Just a quick digress, um, yep. Mick. When Justin was on the podcast, he was talking about underwater drones. Yeah. Um, Is I know it with torpedoes? With torpedoes and boxing gloves. <laughs> I know they do. Uh, if you watch the broadcast, there's that big fisheries boat out there. Yeah, it's big. I, I I think, I, that, so they're out there as well, but I think they actually, there's one assigned... Um, Jet ski. I'm pretty sure they do what you're talking about where they've actually got it underwater. The trialling yeah. something? But the, the ones I know that are in the judging, there was two guys from fisheries and they'll, they'll monitoring a drone. And um, so when, when it did happen, when they did have one of them, it's kind of like everyone's just watching this, yeah, bronzy or tiger just doing what it does. And there they wait till it goes out. So it's pretty, pretty unique to see how it happened. And yeah, so that's something I forgot to mention before as well. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It must have been a couple of big tigers, surely. I mean, they can get pretty big. Yeah, they can get massive. Yeah. They yeah. bite oh, sorry, as well. Sorry, guys. I've got one more to my wife and kids for letting me go to Rottnest and Margaret. So your, wa- your wife and kids are giving you the last month off to just <laughs> Thanks, out and watch surfing. Thanks, Mrs. Plough and yeah. Mrs. Plough yeah. juniors. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I'd like to say that I had something to do with keeping the missus happy. Well, Mickey was off 
gallivanting around the, the countryside, surfing and watching surfing by uh, fixing fixing the shower taps for Mickey to keep his missus happy at a, at a leaky shower. Thanks, Adam. I just yeah. walked into something here, though, haven't I? You have, mate. Yeah. I we talked about this last <laughs> week. I need to do the same for Namu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Why are you here, mate? A couple, <laughs> couple of little heat from the missus about not getting this plumbing no, stuff right. done. He's not working either. <laughs> Fuck. No, well, Come around. That's the thing. I'm not working. But This uh, is his only job. Yeah. I'd, I had to do it for, for Mickey. Otherwise, he, he wouldn't have come back on the potty. He wouldn't have been allowed to. So, <laughs> I had, had to go and swap some washes for him. But uh, yeah, my Steve Irwin salute uh, is Morgan Siblick and also Liam O'Brien, a little double pronger, just for keeping the Australian double, double dream pronger. alive. Yeah. Double ender. Double <laughs> <laughs> uh, sex tape. Just for keeping our dreams alive and giving, giving me something to go for. Yeah, um, thanks, boys. Yeah, good stuff. Go, go the Aussies. Go the Aussies. T-Bone, what have you got? Well, we'll stay on that, that Aussie theme. My shout out, well, Steve Irwin, is to uh, young Mia McCarthy. Made it to round 16 and got knocked out by Carissa. But I thought that was a great experience for her and hopefully there'll be bigger and better things to come. And also shout out to Squiddy, the old man. Miss McCarthy was over there with her. So, yeah, well done, Mia, and uh, keep it up. Cool. Yeah, good stuff. Well done, Mia, and I uh, look forward to seeing you in some future CTs. And, yeah, well done to all the Grimes that made the... CTs um, in Margs and here, Cy Cox, Jacob Wilcox, Mia McCarthy and um, obviously Carl Walsh. Hopefully we're going to get have a chat with Carl in the next week or two. My, uh, what's it called? My Steve Irwin salute this week is uh, a little bit out of left field. Have you guys come across <laughs> Matt Wilco's new career as a country singer? <laughs> no, I haven't. This is fair dinkum. Uh, yeah. Matt Wilkinson has uh, started a new career as a country singer and his, his uh, first single is called Big Fucking Horse. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Check it on YouTube, kids. He's a, Matt Wilkinson, he's, Big Fucking Horse. He's a funny dude, isn't he? Fucking good. Oh, he's, obviously, he's obviously taking the piss, but yeah. absolutely hilarious. Have you got it there, T-Bone? I'll, I'll bring it up. It could be our outro song. Big yeah. Fucking Horse. Yeah, um, yeah, so he talks about riding around on his big fucking horse and... Yeah. Having a good time in his big fucking horse, essentially. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I I do think that this week we do need to give the uh, Steve Irwin salute to all the uh, people involved in the two WSL events in, in Western Australia, including, here we go, big fucking horse from Matt Wilco. Put it up to the mic, mate. take off in the states where they won't know it's a piss take that'll go viral (laughs) (laughs) mate you you heard it here first on barrel surf podcast (laughs) matt wilkinson with big fucking horse um yeah so all the all the um people involved in the wsl events in western australia and over east as well um yeah well done you guys it's um yeah it's been fun to watch the last couple of events and um yeah thanks again and uh yeah you win the uh steve Irwin salute this this uh this week any final comments, boys? Yeah, I got I got one last Steve Irwin salute. Fucking Mickey Plowman. Hey, Mickey Plow. Fucking Steve Irwin salute, Plowman. mate. Been yeah. been legendary being on the podcast, and uh, mate, it's been epic to get all your uh, insight from the two Wazzle events. 
and all uh, technical. Yeah, mate, it's been awesome. So, oh, cheers, guys. oh someone's you. knocking out the door. Good yeah. on you, Mickey. And um, anything to add, Adzi? Oh, mates. Yeah, okay. Just a, a last comment here. Not the most positive of things, but in relation to uh, our good friends Gene Hardy and, and Willow Hardy and stuff. Um, yeah, just saw yesterday that uh, the guru of Margaret River, their, their dad, uh, Tony Hardy, who, who Gene came and, and talked uh, about with us with that interview, which has um, had a lot of really good positive feedback, actually. He was an absolute frother yep. and um, was really good. But I noticed that uh, Tony Hardy's uh, court case got finalised yesterday. And, uh, yeah, he got a life imprisonment for, for murder or manslaughter or something like oh, that. Oh, shit. Uh, pretty heavy, minimum of uh, 12 years, mm. uh, no parole. So, mate, just a really horrible experience for everyone involved. Um, you know, for him, obviously, uh, for the, the fella who died and, and, you know, the Hardy's mums, uh, who yep. was his partner. Yep. I know the whole family. I know Brett Hardy is, you know, everyone's really upset about it. It split the family up a bit. Um, no one condones what he, do, what he did. But obviously, uh, you know, they mentioned in the article how he's basically been an unmedicated, schizophrenic, sort of bipolar dude for, for a really long time. And, um, yeah, it was just a sad end to a surfing icon really that he's mm. at 70 years old you know it's pretty possible that he's gonna yep. spend the rest of his life in jail you know so that's yeah, a real shame yeah it's a bit of a shame but um so yeah shout out to the hardy family and i hope they can uh you know hold their head up and um yeah try to deal with it as best they can you know yeah good luck to so the hardys no, no winners there no that's right Mick, before we go, thanks again for joining us on Barrel Surf Podcast, mate. Any final comments? Yeah, just a final one for me, guys. Thanks so much for having me on, too. I really uh, I love coming on and talking something I really love and passionate about. So hopefully you guys have liked it. And um, if you are if you are a surf frother like myself and you love it, um, one thing I forgot to mention Go to is... Go mickeyplayer.com to see you naked um, actually, watching surf scores. They're actually doing a documentary <laughs> at the moment. So... Um, uh, during both events here in WA and I believe in the East Coast as well, the two events over there, there's a film crew following the surfers around and also the officials. So they actually okay. came in. Um, so they re- are releasing a documentary about behind the scenes and the head judge, so uh, Lily and Pratamo, when they were head judging, they were wired up. So you'll get to hear you know, some of the stuff we've talked ah, about in this interesting. podcast when that, cool, when that does come out. is something um, I think all surf fans really love and enjoy. So that'll be in the near future. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah, awesome. I've got so one last real quick one for Mickey, just because okay. he's such a nice guy. Yeah. I, like, I like to make him squirm. Um, Mickey, what came first? First barrel or loss of virginity? Uh, that's a good question. That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> I, was a, I was a late bloomer. Fucking I was a late bloomer, Adam. Just Jesus. put it that way. Hey? I was a late bloomer, Adam. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, it does. Yeah, You got solidly tubed many times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a good <laughs> I think most of us have been tubed before we got the other barrel. Oh, no, it took me a while to get my first tube. It took me a while to get both. But yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, no, mine, yeah, mine was tube, tube was second for me. But oh, that doesn't count you laying your guts, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a stand up one, Lancel and Backbeach, mate. Lancel yeah. and Backbeach, yeah, there sick. you go. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I just do it just to make Mickey squirm because he's such a morally upright man. I just thought I'd try to make him uncomfortable in the last few seconds. Adam, my, sorry, mum, Mickey. my mum's going to listen to this. The <laughs> <laughs> movie was saying his mum was one of the only listeners to his podcast. My mum's joined it. So, uh, <laughs> so big shout out to Mrs. Plowman. Love you and thank you for everything you've done for me and yeah. brought me up rightly, unlike Adam, who's next to me here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mrs. Plowman. Um, yeah, so I haven't really got much to add. I just wanted to say um, 
you know speak to your friends if you think they're feeling down or whatever it might be just have a chat with them and look for the signs where they might be struggling a bit and uh see if you can put them in you know contact with someone to speak with or have a chat chat with them yourself take them out for you know whatever it might be a walk on the beach or some meditation or some yoga just to get them into a different headspace um be kind to your family thanks for listening to barrel surf podcast if you are enjoying it let your friends know about it and um yeah catch us on instagrams and all that sort of stuff and uh thanks for listening see you next time G'day, T-Bone. G'day, Nanu. How are you? Mate, I'm good. What's going on? You look a little bit sad there, mate. Oh, mate. The missus likes me to have smooth balls. Does she? <laughs> <laughs> mate, she's getting me to wax them to make them nice and smooth. Oh, my God. That must be pretty painful. How often are you doing that, mate? Well, fucking man's got to keep well fucking groomed, Nanu. <laughs>
Well, mate, I've got a solution for you. Have you heard of the good folk at Manscaped? Nah, tell me a bit about them. Well, they produce the finest in men's grooming products. They've got the, the ball shaver, the lawnmower 3.0. They've got ball conditioner and they've also got ball reviver. So all you do is you just get your, your lawnmower 3.0 in the shower and shave away at those uh, tree trunks down there, mate. Oh, mate, that sounds a lot easier than the wax method. <laughs> and a lot and a lot uh, not as painful as well. Hey, uh, by the way, if you go into manscaped.com and get yourself uh, a lawnmower and all the rest of the kit, put barreled in the coupon and you get yourself 20% off, T-Bone. I'm onto it, mate. Anything to help me save my balls. 